2: Free speech to free minds. You're listening to The David Knight Show.
3: As the clock strikes 13, it's Wednesday, the 29th of March, year of our Lord, 2023. Day 1,112 days of medical martial law and the emergencies and the powers that have been built upon that by every executive and every government of the world, regardless of what they say their political party or philosophy is. They're coming from the same place, and they're coming at us. Today, we're going to talk about what some of that looks like in terms of the 15-minute cities and the pushback against it. We're going to talk about the trans day of vengeance and how the media is uh, representing this and how they're pushing for gun control of course as they do after every shooting a lot of interesting back and forth about this do we really understand what the real problem is in this country it's not the guns it's not the guns we'll be right back stay with us Well, Bob Alderman at the New American got this exactly right. He said, the media has covered everything about the shooting except the real cause of this. And, of course, the left is lining up, uh, pushing this. You've got, a, got an amazing clip from uh, Stink Uger of the Young Turds. Um, I always call him, <laughs> he's now an old turd. I call him Stink Uyghur. I've uh, got an amazing clip of his that is uh, circulating around saying, we've got to arm these trannies, right? He says, I don't like guns, and I'm going to be a bit of a hypocrite, but, you know, we've got to give guns to the trainees because they've got to be able to defend themselves. Creating and, uh, a, a group of mentally ill shock troops is pretty <laughs> nuts. <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, there's also studies that have resurfaced out of Canada from last year, saying as they looked at college students who, and, and what were their attitudes, how were they coping with the lockdown? They said the, the group, and there was uh, about 3,000 people that they surveyed, about 2.5% of them were trans. And they said the group that is by far the most easily radicalized and the violent extremism are the trans. And there's a reason for that. We'll talk about that when it comes up here. Uh, as a matter of fact, it relates to what the military has always said about asymmetric warfare. Uh, This is a war against our society, our culture, our religion. Uh, That's what this was. And uh, it is an asymmetric war. It is a psychological war. It is a psyop, big psyop, paying dividends to them. Uh, So Biden's response to this was to draw attention to it by putting all the flags at Uh, half-mast and uh, not asking for prayer for anybody, of course, but uh, doing the of flags and half mast. uh, that was not really out of concern for anybody. It was to push his agenda that this is a national emergency. As Bob Alderman says, uh, Wikipedia has 33 sources about this shooting already. Interesting. I, I'm not on, <laughs> I'm not on Wikipedia at all. And I'm happy about that because it would be nothing but a bunch of lies and character assassination if it were. So I'm happy about that. And not a single source dared even speak the question. Why? Why did this 28-year-old person, born a female, deciding that she was a male, why did that happen? Uh, drew up maps for all this stuff. You know, as we look at information that's come out, and I talked about this, how we have gone from shootings that were predominantly due to medications provi- uh, provided, you know, SSRIs. Over 5,000 of those situations where, and, and, and this is a fairly typical situation. You had uh, one child, and th- this happened frequently. Uh, grabbed parents' rifle, went to school, stood in front of the class, pointed the gun at the class, pointed the gun at himself, pointed the gun at the class, pointed the gun at himself, back and forth. Finally, they got the gun away from him and took him to hospital. When he came to, he didn't know what he had done. He didn't remember any of that. That was not reported, by the way. It's reported on SSRIstories.net, but uh, the mainstream media doesn't like to talk about that because that's a real problem. It wasn't the gun. It was the chemicals they gave him. Had no idea what he was doing. We've had a lot of other cases. We had a mom, for example, uh, sometimes successfully killing her kids and herself after changing the dosage of the SSRIs. Uh, So these are the issues. But we've gone from that to something that's a lot more direct, and that is the psychological manipulation and gaslighting of these kids. And uh, it is... Going to reap a lot of horrific um, results, not just for these kids themselves, but for other people as well. So, this is clearly not a situation. I say that because it's not a situation of reaction to SSRIs. This was a reaction to another kind of psychological manipulation that was not chemical, it was educational. So, you know, buying the guns, planning this out. And, uh, going to the school that, um, this person had attended uh, something like 16, 17 years ago, uh, went there third and fourth grade, then went other places. Maybe those other places were also on the map. Maybe there were schools. We were not told. Went into the school at 1013, was shot dead by 1027. Five officers approached the building, we now have pictures of, um, this, uh, trans, shooting at them from the second story, uh, bullet holes in their windows of their cars. Could have been much worse. Uh, they braved that and went in and uh, took her out. Biden is calling, of course, for more gun control. He's flown his flags at half-mast. Okay. A little bit of uh, uh, respect, but go right for the gun control. His press secretary blamed the incident, of course, on Republicans. Republicans and guns. And you're seeing this as well. You know, the city of Nashville is a big city, uh, and you know Tennessee is, um, you know, it, it, like every other state. When you get to the big cities like Nashville and Memphis, they're a wreck. Crime-ridden, Democrat-run cities that are a wreck. And I'm happy to be far, far away from them <laughs> by design. Uh, and of course, in Nashville, there's a lot of money as well that um, also attracts wealthy individuals who seem to not have any judgment. As this article from New American says, Eric Metaxas came close to the answer, has to do with the Presbyterian Church of America in which the Covenant School is associated, along with many other so-called Christian denominations. He said in his letter to the American church, he said, the ideas and forces that we face have an atheistic Marxist ideology in common. They share a bitter taproot that leads all the way down to hell. This is why I call it and have called it for the longest time. Every day when I have um, articles that I you know, I don't get to every topic every day. But every day I do have these categories I put stuff into. One of them is Sodom and go Marxist. That's what the schools are about. It's about uh, straight to hell via Marxism. <laughs> Not Sodom and Gomorrah, but Sodom and go Marxist. Critical race theory, <clears throat> critical race theory which is atheistic and Marxist, Radical transgender pro-abortion ideologies are all inescapably anti-God, anti-human. They're decidedly at war with the ideas of family and marriage and with the idea of America as a force for good. These ideas have over many decades infiltrated our own culture in such a way that they touch everything, he said. And so then Bob Edelman at uh, The New American responds and says, so where is the church? Where are the pastors who are loudly declaiming against this infiltration? For the most part, they're silent. And I would say, I would add, silent, as for the most part they were during the pandemic and the lockdown. And some of them pushed the lockdown, just like some of the pastors and some of the more liberal churches are pushing LGBT agenda. And so some of them will push it. Most of the rest of them are cowed into fear. Uh, if I start talking about that, everybody will walk away and they won't come to my church. <laughs> What did Jesus do? <laughs> you know, everybody talk, likes to talk about the fact that he got a court of uh, whips, and he ran the money changers uh, out of the area, court of the Gentiles, right, and um, <clears throat> the preliminary area there, and uh, and yet he also had some really harsh words <laughs> to the people who followed him, the big crowds that followed him. He was uh, had thousands of pe- tens of thousands of people following him. And he um, did everything he could, <laughs> almost, if you look at it, to push them away. He told them the truth, and he didn't varnish it. He wasn't trying to gain an audience or gain a following. He was telling them the unvarnished truth about themselves, and they didn't want to hear it, and they left, right? And, of course, pastors know that's going to happen in their church as well. That's why you typically find a good church will be a small church. Uh, because <laughs> A big church, they're telling people what they want to hear and they don't want to offend them. They got a big mortgage to pay, you know, on that building. Anyway, uh, what would uh, one expect, he says, from a generation that's been brainwashed into thinking there's no God? That life is meaningless and purposeless, that humans evolved from slime and mud. Why wouldn't they shoot each other? Uh, as a matter of fact, that's, you know, when you look even at Nishi, he said the philosophers and the German higher critics, they called themselves that because they said, well, we're going to stand in judgment of the Bible and judgment of the God and uh, of God and so forth. And so he says, we have killed God. This is going to, you know, <laughs> there's a whirlwind coming with that, uh, that they, he didn't kill God in the sense that, um, God exists, existed. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, he understood that once you remove those moral constraints, Whether or not you believe in God, the wiser rulers have said, well, you know, whether or not they would personally believe in God, they understood that if people believe that they're accountable for what they do. They're going to behave differently than if they think there is uh, nothing to restrain their behavior except uh, the idea that they might get caught and punished here by other people. That doesn't work too well as a deterrent, as you can see with the war on drugs for 50 years. Uh, No matter how draconian we get with that, it doesn't change anything because that's a spiritual problem. Anyway, uh, he says there's no conscience, no morality, no right and wrong. In today's culture, even to ask about morality and conscience is to be labeled a fanatic or to be canceled, uh, which is what I would say. And so when you look at the statements that are being made, I thought it was absolutely amazing to see the statements being made by the Nashville police chief as well as the mayor. As I said, it's a big city. So you understand, big city run by Democrats. Uh, the Nashville police refused to release the shooter's manifesto. And I understand there's some good reasons for doing that. You don't want to give uh, this person a platform. You don't want to encourage copycat shooters. But I think there's also some other motives there. I think they do not want to be critical of trans, right? Don't want to shine the light on this insanity. And, uh, so I think all those things are in play in reality, it was a hate crime and it was a hate crime against normal people. As life news pointed out, it was interesting. They, they saw this as well when the New York, uh, New York, when the Nashville police chief was talking about it, he said, it looks like the shooter was motivated by resentment. He said resentment. So um, he's excusing the shooter's actions. You know, he resented the way he was treated, or she was treated, or whatever. Resented the way she was treated, and you know, in third and fourth grade, and um, <clears throat> was motivated by resentment, or maybe vot- motivated by resentment against uh, new laws, or something like that. But uh, the shooter was the aggrieved person, implying that it was not hatred, not a hate crime, but the. They had a real beef resentment, the way they were treated. Christians were the problem. The laws protecting children from being mutilated uh, and gaslighted and sterilized. Those are the problem. And resent that. He says there's some belief that there was some resentment for having to go to that school. Oh, see? The wrong was done to the trans by the Christians. Um, so. Uh, Biden has uh, come out and, uh, of course, condemned the ownership of guns. He said, they're ripping our communities apart. LifeSite News says, yes, there are forces that are tearing our communities apart. It's not guns. Guns have been there forever in America. Didn't rip our communities apart. What is ripping our communities apart is our community schools.
0: Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol. Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join US Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
1: What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
3: Now, um, they don't put it that way. They say it's the aggressive promotion of an agenda. but uh, And, of course, that agenda is being pushed everywhere being pushed to them in all entertainment by Hollywood. It's being pushed to them by all politicians and media, news media as well. Uh, But um, the key place that is being pushed to kids is in school. And, you know, when we talk about guns, and we'll get into the gun aspect of it, but I'll just say this, um, uh, Biden is concerned about guns because guns are being used against Biden right now. Yes, they are. You understand? Just as I said yesterday, Daniel Ellsberg said, nuclear weapons are being used right now. They're being used as a threat. They're being used as a deterrent. It really is. The Second Amendment really is our mutually assured destruction. We don't want to have that fight any more than a rational person would want to have a nuclear war. But just as nuclear weapons were a deterrent to aggressive tyrants, even aggressive tyrants who had nuclear weapons. So, too, is the Second Amendment a restraint against an evil, tyrannical government as characterized by Joe Biden and his agendas. And he understands that. And he talked about physically taking the guns when he was running for president, copying what Eric Swalwell had said. And, of course, Beto uh, O'Rourke, the beta male, um, the trans-Hispanic, (laughs) <laughs> cultural misappropriating Democrat who is not Hispanic at all, but he goes by Hispanic name. So Francis Robert O'Rourke. And you see the signs in Texas says Beto. What, what, what a fraud. But of course he gets a pass with that. Uh, but of course, all three of them were talking about how they could use force planes, the military to confiscate guns. Well, you know, that would, uh, I'm not sure that's a war that they could win. I said at the time, That's asymmetric warfare, and we'll talk more about that when we get into the gun control stuff. Anyway, resentment. Resentment is what the police department says. Uh, Extreme identity experimentation that is going on in the schools, as LifeSite News puts it, instructs children to deceive their parents about the fact that their teachers are grooming them into a deeply disordered mental system and lifestyle. In the mainstream media, they say guns are to blame for the murder of people by the mentally unstable or those motivated by an agenda of hate. The majority of gun deaths are the result of illegal weapons being used by the crime-committing community upon one another. And they reference the Department of Justice's statistics showing that in 2016, 287,400 individuals were imprisoned for committing crimes while in possession of a firearm. 90% of those firearms were obtained illegally. And then they add that it is extremely rare for anyone to deliberately murder other people's children. What makes this crime particularly heinous is the intentional murder at close range of nine-year-olds, three of them. Ask yourself, what kind of a deranged mind does it take to point a gun at a nine-year-old child and continue to pull the trigger. One of the most hateful crimes I can imagine. It's one of the reasons why, you know, when you look at people that turn into mass murderers, they have found that typically as a child, they were torturing animals of some sort. There's a lack of compassion, of empathy. There's just this demonic spirit that is driving them, to be able to point a gun at a child and pull the trigger. I mean, nobody does that. I, I talked to, uh, about a group. Um, I think I talked about it. At least I talked to Karen about it. I remember I told you about it. <laughs> but it was uh, a guy, he was out on in Afghanistan, and they were on a recon mission trying to find some enemy troops and everything. And they were uh, staked out. And, you know, there's not a lot of cover in Afghanistan and they did it by night. And then by morning, you know, they, they could see them and they could see the villagers stirring and everything. And then they send up this little kid with, um, some sheep, you know, and he said the little kid uh, was obviously there to scope them out and to come back and tell them how many of them there were, how they were armed and that type of thing. And they knew it. He said, the kid was such a bad actor. The kid, you know, keep staring at us the whole time, you know, we got the sheep there supposedly and kept staring at him. And he said, um, then, you know, goes back and then here come the the guys with the guns at them. And, uh, they were able to, uh, take them out. But he said, after we got back and we talked about it, we talked about, you know, what could we have done with that kid? You know, we captured it, uh, the kid tied him up or whatever. He said, uh, but it never was suggested by any of us that we would shoot the kid. That never even came up. And I forget the context of that story now, but it was a jarring thing because I thought, yeah, what kind of a person points a gun at a nine-year-old kid and pulls the trigger? Well, it's the kind of person who has been psychologically abused for two decades by the system, by the society, by the school. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the victim. Uh, This is uh, one of the nine-year-olds was named Hallie. She was the daughter of the pastor of that church, attending that
4: church school. Hallie Scruggs was only nine years old, as were the other two students who died.
5: Just a few weeks ago, little Hallie Scruggs was here in Dallas visiting the city where she was born because her father was invited back here to Park City's Presbyterian as a guest preacher. Tonight, members of this church are on their way to Nashville to be with the beloved family of their former pastor. Her dad used to preach here, so little Hallie Scruggs roamed the halls
4: here. Four children. Hallie was their youngest and their only girl
5: all the time.
4: We've come from uh, Dallas, Texas, where we've been for 12 years. That's Pastor
5: Chad Scruggs introducing himself to his new congregation in Nashville after leaving Park City's Presbyterian in Dallas.
4: All four of our kids were born there.
5: Now one of those kids is gone. Hallie was shot and killed inside Covenant Presbyterian School. Her dad is now pastor at Covenant Presbyterian Church.
4: All four of their children, you know, they just had that radiance. We talk about the radiance of Christ in them, even at a young age. And when I spoke with Chad today on the phone and he talked about how he was like, she's a leader. You know, she just was, was probably one of the first up, just she's gonna lead the way, just this radiant life in her, which is Christ.
5: Senior pastor Mark Davis says he always watched in awe as Chad preached in this sanctuary, feeling a deep connection with congregants. Today's phone call left him in grief, but also in awe.
4: I just listened to him lament. I listened to him also say, we know she's in the arms of Christ and we know he loves her more than we did. So there was this remarkable sense of despair. How did this happen? And yet such faith.
3: So you can't talk about the transgender. though. We don't want to talk about their manifesto. We don't want to talk about their belief system. As they point out in LifeSite News, they said there's a couple of things that you need to understand about this. Number one, the status of transgender people is that of a protected group whose actions are always excused, whose actions are never explained. And you better not criticize them. Uh, just look to see who you're not allowed to criticize. Uh, Number two, the reason for this is that the claims of the transgender faction closely resemble insanity. So we don't want you to look too closely. We don't want you to look at the manifesto either. The transgender phenomenon, number three, has been aggressively publicized and marketed by schools, media, medical professionals, corporations, working with advocacy groups. A sense of grievance, grievance and resentment has been engendered within the transgender community the very phenomenon, has a type of vengeance at its heart. And there's an element of revenge upon normal people, which is inseparable from the transgender movement. To compel normal people to contradict the evidence of their eyes and of nature is an attempt to humiliate us. You understand? Uh, Once you start using their pronouns, they will find some other way to make you bow before some arbitrary insanity. That's what the government is up to. They're using the transgender people. They're just, uh, they're, they're being used, as I said yesterday, like uh, uh, Zelensky and NATO are using the Ukrainian people. They're the victims in all this. They're the casualties in this spiritual war. That's why we say we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against these ideas and against these, spiritual forces and powers that are represented by the people who rule us. You understand there's something behind them. You look at these people and you understand whether you're looking at these multinational tech corporations or you're looking at these politicians, it's like, wait a minute, how did that person get to this point? It's not based on intelligence. It's not based on ability. It's not based on merit. It's not based on anything except the fact that they've been picked as puppets to use against us. They themselves, as they are using the transgenders, as Zelensky and, other people, and NATO are using the Ukrainians, they themselves are being used. And that's why we pray for them uh, because uh, they ultimately are not our enemy. Our enemy is ultimately above and behind them. They themselves are being used and sacrificed. You won't see it in this lifetime, typically. To refuse to participate in your own humiliation may result in a loss of your livelihood. It may result in a loss of your life now. The hysterical narrative of victimization created around this bizarre trend is one which confers both attention and advantage upon impressionable young people. That's how they get them the peer pressure, right? Uh, if you don't actively oppose heterosexuals and normal things, oh, you're evil. But if you join with us and you become one with us,
6: right?
3: Oh, we will elevate you. We'll celebrate you. You'll have every kind of social advantage. Uh, that's the the sad situation of this. It's just like that uh, guy who uh, pretended to be a woman and, uh, became a flight attendant and united airlines celebrated him and uh he uh, committed suicide said i'm sorry i just can't live up to everybody's expectations i know i disappointed all of you and perfect example of somebody who is driven by the expectations of others and this is the kind of person that they prey upon that they push this transgender thing upon they find somebody who desperately needs approval, who is very insecure. They put all kinds of peer pressure on them, all kinds of pressure from people in authority. And um, they try to be what these other people want them to be. And it drives many of them to suicide. As I said before, why do we have 30% of young girls and nearly as many young boys, but more girls than boys? Why do we have 30% of young girls uh, thinking about committing suicide? It's because of these pressures that we're putting on them in school at very young ages to tell them they're in the wrong body. They don't understand what this is all about and, and everything else that we're doing. to them. We've always had guns around. We didn't have 30% of the girls wanting to commit suicide. Uh, that's what they're doing to them in schools, government schools. And, of course, many private schools because they follow the same curriculum, the same you know, plan for all of that. There is an agenda at work, and it has destruction and revenge upon all that is natural and holy at heart," says LifeSite News. Uh, you have—it's uh, tragic, but it's not surprising that such a person would determine on this course of terrible action in an environment which labels the God-fearing as hateful and deserving of unlimited spite and deserving of violence. Christianity is the basis of our norms. But this is vengeance politics that we see happening here. And so, again, the police chief says resentment was uh, at the core of all of this. Uh, you look at um, this person, what, what was it that got them so resentful when they were only there in third grade and fourth grade, 2005, 2006? That's 17 years ago. Then went on to other schools. And again, I look at it and say, well, were those other schools, the um focus of that. But what happened to that kid? In third and fourth grade, they found the former school headmaster. And so he remembered Hale as a third grader and fourth grader. Um uh, said, you know, was not listed in the um in the records as being there in fifth or sixth grade. So he says, I, I believe um the girl transferred out after the fourth grade. Just a typical student, no issues about anything. And um, he couldn't recall any issues. He's now retired. He couldn't recall any issues that Hale might have had at the time that could have raised red flags. I think about this student and our relationship at the time she was there. He said, there is nothing that was extraordinary or unusual about it. Uh, And again, he was a
0: former school administrator. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol,
3: Uh, The current school administrator was one of the adults who was shot, Catherine Kuntz. Gunned down along with a custodian and a substitute teacher. And then the three nine-year-old children. And uh, as information is coming out about her shooting, uh, she was on a Zoom conference, said uh, uh, one person who's a Nashville City Councilman, a former FBI special agent, he said, it's my understanding from a witness at the school that Catherine Kunz was on a Zoom call when she heard the first shot. She immediately ended the call, got up, and headed straight for the shooter. He said she did what principals and headmasters do. They protect their children. In addition, she had prepared the school by seeking advanced-level active shooter training. Uh, from, and from a witness at the scene, this protocol, he said, details of which I cannot provide, saved countless lives. So, yeah, I don't know what happened. The narratives were that there were no armed guards that were there. But he appears to say that there were, but he doesn't want to talk about it. And uh, maybe there were. Maybe, you know, there was, when it first came out, they said uh, the shooter was engaged after four minutes. Um, It took, um, you know, about 15, 16 minutes for the uh, shooter to be killed. But uh, I don't know what happened in the interim with that. So perhaps they did have something, and they don't want to talk about it. Uh, Again, um, the police chief said she was found in the hallway by herself. He says, I can't confirm exactly what she did, but he said, I'm sure that there was a confrontation. You can tell by the way she was lying in the hallway, he said. She gave her life in defense of the children under her care, said uh, a pastor at uh, the church where she was a member. Two others were killed, the uh, 61-year-old substitute teacher and a 61-year-old custodian who was also shot there. As soon as police officer Rex Engelbert arrived at the school, an unnamed school employee met him outside. The kids are all locked down, said the employee, but we have two kids that we don't know where they are. This can be heard on the body camera footage. She then tells him about the building and how it is laid out. Uh, That police officer then armed with information from the teacher and with a rifle, led a group of officers in the school building, quickly started clearing classrooms. Minutes after entering, the shooter opened fire on other responding officers from the second floor. That's the uh, shooting at the car and uh, that type of thing. They ran upstairs toward the sounds of the gunfire, took out the shooter who was armed with two rifles and a handgun. Uh, so the Nashville City Councilman, former FBI, said Pulley, said, I was at the scene. I observed them calmly handling the children like it was another day at school. After all the children were reunited with their parents, the staff became emotional. But while they had their children, they were amazingly doing what teachers and administrators do, taking care of their children. And those children seemed to be doing as well as they could under the circumstances. So uh, police believe that he had targeted that school. but did not target individual victims. He might have targeted that school because it's Christian. He might have been angry because they were Christians. But I want to play for you the response. This is a Libs of TikTok. Got this. This is the response from some deranged lunatic. It seems to be a surplus of them on TikTok, uh, scolding these parents and saying, well, you know, uh, don't you wish you'd opposed these rules against mutilating kids that that was just passed in Tennessee, maybe you would still have your kids alive if you had done that.
1: I wonder if the parents of the victims of the Nashville shooting today would still have their children if these trans bills in Tennessee were never a thing. I'm not a parent, but if I were, I'd be real, real mad at the government. I'd be real, real mad at the government.
3: Yeah, I'd be real, real mad at the government. I'd be justified in aiming a gun at a nine-year-old and shooting them—three of them, as a matter of fact—and innocent bystanders. Huh? That'd be the appropriate way to respond. And of course, you know, TikTok will not take filth like that young woman off. Uh, people talking about the Trans Day of Vengeance, however, were shut down on Twitter. But before we get to that, take a look at what did. Uh, Hold Cuger. on, before we move on, mm-hmm. you're being
0: too polite, young woman
3: no what what should
0: I call her (laughs) she's just a woman at this point
3: yeah yeah anyway um, well I say young woman because it's a people of your generation Travis I'm sorry but uh, I know from whence I speak (laughs) it's the world in which you're going to have to live Um, so anyway you better start praying for massive uh, (laughs) revival and conversion here in america but uh to to correct that kind of thinking anyway um yeah sink uger of the young turds um (laughs) as i said before i always call him stink uger um, and now he is an old turd but this did not age too well this is something he was talking about last week about how trannies need to arm themselves even though he hates guns i'll be a little bit of a
2: hypocrite here but it's not i'll explain why i'm saying it i don't like guns I would ban assault weapons in a second. I, we can go on and on about the gun control that we need in this country. And but I he always, loves abortion. Don't get guns, it'll make you it less safe. He loves the trainee. I'm gonna make an exception darkness. here for trans people. They're actually in danger. They have had hundreds of laws passed against them. They have right wing media ginning up fear against them 24 seven. They are targeted more than any other group in America. And if Anyone should get guns. It should be trans Americans, okay? Because I'm worried for them. I'm worried that the right-wing lunatics are going to attack them as they have over and over again. And by the way, it's not just right-wing lunatics. Other people attack trans folks as well.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Don't say anything negative about them because, you know, they're entitled to shoot you if you do, according to the altered Stink Uyghur. Monday's mass shooting at a Christian elementary school in Tennessee Renewed focus on announcement earlier this month for a planned day of vengeance and show people the uh, poster there. Uh, We want more than visibility, the trans day of vengeance. And of course it's all done in the colors of, um, you know, their, their flag thing and everything. Stop trans genocide. There's no trans genocide. Nobody's out there killing trans. Um, you know, it is a mental illness and, uh, we just don't want to participate. Uh, with um, <laughs> the mentally ill. Um, so, Trans Day of Vengeance is being organized uh, for them to do this on April Fool's Day. Actually, uh, <laughs> appropriate holiday for. <laughs> we should make April Fool's Day Trans Day, I, I think. Uh, <laughs> from here on out. Just fooling. Uh, don't know uh, what gender I am. The attack sparked fierce debate online over whether. Uh, The actions were more due to so-called anti-trans stigma with mental toll of gender dysphoria and heated rhetoric likening opponents of underage transitions to Nazis and other villains. The Daily Wire reports earlier this month in a tweet that has since been made private that the group's Virginia chapter, the the Daily Wire didn't make it private, the group did. Uh, They made this, they hosted a dance party fundraiser benefiting firearm and self-defense training for trans Virginians. Are these people who used to live in a different state and now they live in Virginia? I guess in that case, I'd be a trans Tennessean. But uh, (laughs) Uh, The group's rhetoric echoes a common claim by LGBT activists and their allies, the mainstream media and the Democrat Party. The gender confused Americans are the targets of ongoing violence epidemic. And LifeSite News destroys this narrative. They said the LGBT pressure group that calls itself the Human Rights Campaign claims that 2022 saw at least 38 transgender people fatally shot or killed by other violent means, quote-unquote. LifeSite News says, however, only two of the cases listed by the Human Rights Campaign identify any possibility that the victim's gender identity was a motivating factor. Two others were victims in the Club Q shooting last November, which was initially presented as a hate crime before word got out that the perpetrator was himself non-binary. Trans-on-trans violence, in other words. Uh, The rest of the deaths appear to be a mix of random violent crimes motivated by unrelated issues or the result of relationships and police altercations stemming from the victim's own mental health issues so the question is is the human rights campaign now going to include uh, this uh, shooter who was killed by the police is that now 39 transgender people who've been fatally shot or killed because of um, their gender is that what they're going to do I, mean, I would imagine it probably is you know they have included people who uh, were when they talk about gun violence and everything they do break down the statistics Of somebody who was shot as a violent intruder. Oh, that's just somebody who was killed by a gun. Well, that's good that they were killed by a gun, quite frankly, in self defense and defense of their life, uh, uh, somebody's life or somebody else's life. Or if they were killed by the police because they were, you know, I know that the police, uh, and I've talked about it many times,
0: uh, I think the police are trigger happy. Another game I've seen them play with statistics is they'll include the deaths from Latin America. They'll group all of the Americas in as one thing Mm. and Mm -hmm. say, oh, this is what's happening with violence against the LGBT. Yeah, It's much, much higher in Latin America. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, as they point out,
3: yeah, exactly. They don't, uh, uh, there is, um, uh, people have not been uh, uh, trained to respect their better uh, (laughs) people, and so... Anyway, the uh, 38, they said, is less than 1% of the 22,900 murder and non-negligent manslaughter cases in 2021. And yet it's really only two. Two out of 23,000. No, it is not. Uh, they're not being singled out. They're not being targeted. In the wake of the Nashville shooting, however, Twitter cracked down on anybody reposting what I just showed you about the Trans Day of Vengeance. We had to automatically sweep our platform and remove more than 5,000 tweets, said the current vice president of trust and safety at Twitter. We do not support tweets that incite violence, irrespective of who posts them. Vengeance does not imply peaceful protest. Organizing or support for peaceful protests is okay. And it was a trans radical activist network. Uh, which that spells out trans. Uh, Their Trans Day of Vengeance uh, that scheduled activities for Friday, March the 31st, and Saturday, April the 1st. The event included firearms training and plans to protest in front of the Supreme Court. Some of the tweets removed apparently were criticizing the event, like Jason Robertson, co founder of the American Tribune. He said yesterday I tweeted the below and attached graphic for the trans day vengeance Twitter locked me out for inciting violence and denied my appeal unless I deleted the tweet. And they did the same thing with Marjorie Taylor green who repeatedly posted that they uh, restricted her account. Uh, you know, when I look at what is happening on Twitter, um, it is rapidly devolving into a, well, already is a pay for play. In my opinion, you know, you, you buy the $8 a month thing, and then you get visibility. Other than that, it's kind of a read-only platform. Nobody sees what you write. I refuse to uh, pay him because, not not that I don't think that uh, $8 is an unreasonable thing. I think if you use a platform, especially if you're using it to try to promote what you do for a living, it's not unreasonable to pay $8 a month. It's not on the basis of that. It's on the basis that I don't believe that uh, in my particular case, they wouldn't still shadow ban me, shut me down. Um, and I haven't seen anything change, and I still stand by that. I've seen some high-profile people that have been brought back and, um, and promoted, and I think that that is simply a beard. I think the censorship is there. I think Elon Musk works for the military-industrial complex. I think he became the world's richest man by doing exactly what DARPA and the Pentagon want him to do. I've always said that. I will always say that about him, and so I have no future at a platform that he runs, even if I were to pay him $8 a month. Anyway, uh, transgender youth are at the highest risk for violent radicalization. This is a 2022 study that has now gained new life in view of what just happened. The study was titled Meaning in Life, Future Orientation, and Support, let me just get this for violent radicalization among Canadian college students during the pandemic. And it explored the extent to which different demographics were open to violent radicalization. And you see, as I said before, somebody who is so susceptible, as we see, you know, the, the, um, it was Jazz Jennings I talked about yesterday, you know, poster child for this, literally child. Uh, supposedly decided that um, he was a different gender. I think it's a, I don't know. I can't remember which. uh, They don't know what gender they are. How am I supposed to know what gender? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, at five, Jazz Jennings decided that he was in the wrong body at five years old. And Jazz Jennings also wrote a book at five years old. And that book is being used to gaslight other five-year-olds. kids in kindergarten. Now, if you believe that he decided that, and if you believe and or you believe that he wrote that book at five years old, I got a bridge I can sell you. No, it's just nonsense. And now, uh, 16 years later, he's saying, there's a downward spiral in my life. I can't understand what I'm doing and so forth. And we see that, uh, or she, I don't, again, I don't know what their pronouns are. I don't even know what their gender is, their sex, but it's, they're driven by peer pressure. They're driven by pressure from authority, as we saw in the suicide note of that uh, poor person who committed suicide, the United Flight Attendant. The pandemic, they said in the study, is is compromising young people's capacity to envision a positive future and to maintain a meaningful sense of purpose in life. I talked about this during the pandemic. I said, you know, when I was looking at the U.S. military's training and planning to fight us here, uh, fight Americans and America, asymmetric warfare. And of course, that has had its rehearsals and its training in Iraq and Af- Afghanistan and that type of thing. And um, it did it because we went to do a report at the Asymmetric Warfare Center. And so, as background for that, I looked at, uh, you know, you, you could find at the time, and that was nine years ago, I guess, um, on YouTube, they would have uh, some of their, you know, the Pentagon officials, military officers, be talking about asymmetric warfare. So what is it that motivates these people? Are they radical Islamicists? They said, yes, but that's not the thing that brings them first. You know, because we were looking at the profile of these terrorists that were fighting and the typical profile was that they were in their 30s. They were very well educated. They typically were upper middle class or upper class. And the thing that motivated them was not their religion. That came later. The thing that initially motivated them was they felt helpless. They felt their future had been taken away from them, you know, by our invasion and occupation and that type of thing. So as they talked about asymmetric warfare in these countries, uh, they said it was what would radicalize people into a terrorism was the fact that they saw that they had no control over their future. The connection to religion, would uh, come later, uh, but it was having no control over the future. This is what the transgenders were saying, and uh, students in, in general um, during the pandemic lockdown. Uh, Trudeau, Trump, all these tyrants taking away control of your life. No, you're going to get out of the house. And if you do, uh, you got to wear a mask. If you do, you got to take a jab. you got to get a number. you got to get a passport, all the rest of this stuff essentially live life under a dictatorship under an occupation under a war so i said associations a positive future orientation a presence of and a search for a meaning in life you see these people have no meaning in life they don't know where they're going they have nothing that is a foundation to their life that's all been stripped away by the schools even your physical identity is not anything that, you know, everything has been put in flux for these people who succumbed to this psychological operation pushed on them in the schools. And so, uh, that results in a support for violent radicalization. A 2022 study of Quebec youth found that transgender youth were the group at the highest risk of support for violent radicalization because they are the one who more than any others, and the other kids have had that as well, but more than any other group, they've had their future taken away from them. They've had the meaning of life taken away from them. They don't know what life is about. Uh, the study authors also explained the concept of violent radicalization. They said it's a very complex process, but um, uh, if you look at the 3,100 participants between the ages of 16 and 25, 18 different colleges, those who identified as transgender accounted for 2.5% of the participants, 79 respondents. They said the transgender, this is the study now, transgender and gender-diverse youth emerge as the group at the highest risk of support for violent radicalization. This is in line with results of recent survey conducted during the pandemic that highlighted high levels of support for violent radicalization, as well as psychological distress among gender minorities. And you see people like... Stink Uyghur encouraging that, right? And um, that is a message that's been put out by a lot of people in the media. And a lot of these idiots on TikTok and other things like that. A 2011 study in Sweden found that female to males, as this shooter was, had higher crime rates than female controls. They said mentally unstable and emotionally unbalanced people, threatening the population with guns and the media, And left-wing celebrities and Democrats cheer it on, says Amy Marino. Then they sit silently while kids are murdered. This is the definition of domestic terrorism. But, of course, uh, if you push back against this as a parent, then the Biden Department of Justice labels you as a domestic extremist, potentially violent. So it occurred on the first day of Transgender Week of Visibility. As we start Transgender Week of Visibility, says Senator Scott Wiener. This is the pervert in, um, that represents State Senator in um, California. He represents, you know, the Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, their Nancy Pelosi's district. As we start, Transgender Week of Visibility, a week to uplift our trans siblings. Red states continue to all but ban trans people from existing. On Friday, Idaho enacted a law banning trans kids from using restrooms per their gender. The war on transgender people continues. And see, it's people like Scott Weiner and Stink Uger who are pushing this stuff. And uh, telling, um, you know, essentially, uh, we got to do something, especially in Tennessee. You know, you got... Uh, Madonna has now added a Tennessee venue or something. She's going to donate money uh, to uh, some of the money. She wasn't very specific about that. She's kind of vague about what money she was going to give. Uh, But she's going to do a donation uh, concert, donations from her concert in Tennessee that she's scheduled. In one protest in the wake of the Tennessee legislation, uh, which occurred just south of Nashville in Murfreesboro, Breitbart News captured video of protesters with one holding a sign reading, Trans girls need guns. Well, there you go. And, of course, this trans girl uh, who um, had the guns was fully into insanity. Um, uh, Drawing uh, pictures, uh, one picture she drew was an image of Jack Nicholson in The Shining. And underneath it, she put red rum, which if you've seen the movie, Murder Backwards. That's what the little kid had put there. Uh, And, of course, uh, for all the people who want to confiscate the guns, I would just say, uh, if you've seen the movie, you understand that the killer didn't use a gun. Uh, The killer used an axe. And, of course, the real issue is the demonic weapon that is being leveled against people. Speaking of Hollywood, we have Alyssa Milano falsely claiming that firearms are the leading cause of death for American kids. Well, AW.R. Hawkins at Breitbart completely destroyed that. Uh, she uh, said it's the leading cause of death. Uh, just waking up this country puts our children at risk of violent death. Our one job as parents is to protect them, and we were failing at our one job. Well, you should protect your kids by keeping them out of uh, schools that are gaslighting them into this. Uh, the claim was made by actor Porter and former President Obama. Uh, resting a claim on the fact that um, a rough parity of uh, motor vehicle deaths uh, from uh, uh, people from the ages of 0 to 19. They said, well, those are adults. And, um, and so there's rough parity with um, motor vehicle deaths for that age. If you take out the 18 and 19-year-olds, uh, then you see that the motor vehicle deaths actually go up above the death by guns for children. But of course there's a lot of caveats about this uh, because if you also um, look at um, the fact that uh, what is the, we all know what the real cause uh, leading cause of death is of children, don't we? Abortion, It's not ca- cars. It's not, it's not guns. It's not cars. It's abortion. And A.W.R. Hawkins points that out in 2020. 49 states recorded over 600,000 abortion procedures. You know, when you're looking at true kids from the ages of zero to 17, you got about uh, 2,200 killed by guns, 2,500 killed in vehicle deaths. 600,000 aborted, though. And that's 49 states. The 50th state that doesn't report them is a state that is proud to do the most of them, and that is California. CDC does not include abortion as killing a child, of course. Um, but that's our symptoms. And by the way, when I talk about the CDC, Alyssa Milano, big proponent of the vaccine, doing PSAs for the vaccine through CDC, Uh, getting the vaccine and then getting sick and then saying, well, you know, I'm struggling with this. I've got long haul COVID. No, you've got uh, vaccine failure and you've got vaccine symptoms, but she was telling everybody it was safe and effective. And she also said, um, even though she hated Trump, she said, Trump, this is your shot. Yeah. She, even somebody like Alyssa Milano can occasionally be Right. But she pushes abortion, she pushes murder, she pushes sterilization and mutilization of children. But she says the big problem is the gun. No, I think uh, that's typical of the left. I think the big problem is the left, and it is the schools. And Americans are starting to believe that transgenderism has gone too far. Of 1,000 people polled by the Wall Street Journal before this happened, 43% 43% say American society has gone too far in accepting people who are transgender. Uh, 33% say society's not gone far enough. 23% think it's about right. We got a lot of work to do because um, even though this is being presented as a win for our side by Breitbart, I don't see it that way. If 33% say it's not gone far enough and 23% say it's about right, that's 56% who say that it's about right or we should do more. Republicans, 75% of them say society has gone too far. Democrats, only 15%. Independents, not quite 50%. 47% say that we have gone too far. And the reality is, is that um, this is all about children. This is not, it's about children, and it's about how we are made to bow before this insanity. Forty state legislatures have passed or introduced legislation to, re- to restrict child abuse through transgenderism. And, um, and so this has become the hallmark of what the progressives are about now, uh, one of the many things that they are about. Hundreds of thousands of Americans outraged at shocking videos and other images of permanently scarred children who have undergone so-called gender-affirming health care. As adults, encourage those children to abandon all reason in pursuit of affirmation. And, of course, children are not able to reason. And they admit that when they talk about other things. They say, yeah, your brain isn't really even fully developed until you're 28 years old. The ACLU, of course, is pushing this as a children's right issue. And, of course, that is what you, at the United Nations and the left, have pushed children's rights because that is the way that you destroy parents' rights and this has been a something that has been building for quite some time. I've uh, been opposing that since um 2008 or 9 I was doing videos against uh, the children's rights movement. Uh Kentucky governor is a good example of this. You've had in Kentucky this legislature has passed a bill to protect children from medical interventions like puberty blockers to protect children, by the way. Children and from surgeries that mutilate and sterilize them. And it would also have prevented teachers from pushing this psychological attack on them. And uh, yet the governor there, Andy Beshear, one of the really bad governors during the pandemic, by the way, a Democrat, has now vetoed that. And this is what he had to say, surprisingly. My faith teaches me that all children are children of God, and this bill will endanger the children of Kentucky. That is one of the most insane, that's something I expect to hear from Trump, by the way. Spokesman for the Kentucky GOP said, Andy Bashir thinks it's okay for children to have access to life-altering sex change surgery and drugs before they turn 18. Bottom line, that is exactly what this is about. We'll be right back. If you can't support us financially, please keep us in your prayers. TheDavidKnightShow.com And I want to thank uh, some of our supporters whose uh, checks we just received. Um, James L, Edward C, Walter A, Ty S, Philip M, and Tom and Nancy. Thank you so much, Tom and Nancy, and all of you. I appreciate the support, and um, that's not been um, uh, reflected yet in the, uh, in the gas gauge. But I know we were a little bit below um, the 75%. We put it at 75%, so I'm not sure I haven't gone through uh, to update that yet. But before I leave this, I want to talk about the Second Amendment side of all this. It's amazing to me to see the vilification of the Republican congressman from Nashville. His name is Andy Ogles, I guess. O-G-L-E-S is his last name. Uh, He was being vilified by the left and then Business Insider put it all together in an article to vilify him. Saying he offered his quote thoughts and prayers. They love to mock that, don't they? He offered his thoughts and prayers to families of the victims, but in 2021, he posted a Christmas message with a photo of his family holding guns. So what? So what? If uh you had a drunk driver who drove their car into a busload of kids and, you know, kill three adults and three kids, uh, and then um They come back and they say, well, he offered his thoughts and prayers and consolation to these people. But you notice on his Christmas card, he was posing with his family in front of his car, in front of his family car. This guy drives a car. And we just had a drunk driver kill a bunch of people. This is how insane these people, no wonder they push transgenderism. They're crazy themselves. So what? Uh, The police kill the shooter, says uh, Business Insider. Well, why did they kill the shooter? Uh, They used a gun. See, a gun's a tool. It can be used for good or for evil. And unfortunately, that uh, tool is out there. The toothpaste is out of the tube. So what are you going to do about it? Are you going to protect yourself and your family? Uh, No. Uh, (laughs) Dozens of Twitter users responded to his statement by reposting the Christmas photo that he shared on Facebook in 2021. It went back two years. And... um, They said, this response is offensive to say that your thoughts and prayers are with the family. Since you had a Christmas family photo where people were holding guns two years ago, that's offensive. Start by apologizing for this. No, there's no apology necessary. And he included with that photo, included uh, a quote from George Washington. The very atmosphere of firearms everywhere. And anywhere restrains evil interference, and they deserve a place of honor with all that is good. You see, George Washington understood the mutually assured deterrent of an armed population, a deterrent against tyrants. Uh, Of course, um, (laughs) then they start talking about the red flag laws. They said, well, his parents didn't want him to have a gun Um, or her. It's a girl. Sorry. Um and so the Nashville police chief a leftist of course is uh, saying uh, well you know we need to have a red flag law here in Tennessee you know we take away the due process that type of thing um said uh, the Nashville shooter had an emotional disorder where did the Nashville shooter get that emotional disorder was it from school culture the democrats who are pushing all this stuff um so maybe you could uh, stop the gaslighting and do the due process later, maybe, huh? You know, stop grooming these kids into insanity, and then do the due process later. That's really, we need to have a red flag, which a lot of people have done. This is what they're so hopping mad about, is that we red flagged this uh, gender gaslighting of of, uh, kids. And that's, uh, you know, oh, don't say gay law, that type of thing in Florida. And that's not what that's about at all. That's about saying, well, you're not going to, Uh, push this sexual grooming on kids at a young age. And to their shame, they only had kindergarten through third grade. Uh, But um, hey, you know, you're in fourth grade, you can start it right then and you can wind up with uh, somebody like this school shooter. Now, in Florida, the school board is trying to fix that. They're going to pre-K because it didn't cover pre-K. So you can pre-K, you can do whatever you want sexually to groom the kids there in Florida still. So the Florida school board said, we'll go to pre-K and we'll go all the way up to 12th grade. The legislature says, well, maybe we need to extend this and we'll go to eighth grade. Just insane. They're the ones who are insane. Uh, Yahoo News has a quote from the Democrat mayor of Nashville who condemned state gun laws and the cult of the gun as he talked about it. Well, you know what he represents is a cult of gun prohibition. Now, we've got to stop calling it gun control. This is not about controlling guns, as we all know. It's about controlling people. This is gun prohibition. And it's going to work about as effectively as drug prohibition. It won't work at all. And it will result in more violence, more corruption of government, and it will result in more intensified forms of the thing that you're trying to prohibit. You're scared of assault weapons now? Wait until you see what the free unregulated market creates in firearms once you have a system of prohibition you're going to wind up getting the fentanyl equivalent of an AR-15. And so um, this article from uh, Yahoo says, gun culture in Tennessee is ingrained to the point where Republican congressman for Nashville's district, Andy Ogles, sent out that Christmas card with his wife and two of his three kids all proudly holding rifles. And so they contacted the mayor. And the Democrat mayor said, well, I'm not on his Christmas card list. (laughs) Uh, This guy seems to be doing everything right. He doesn't have the Democrat mayor on his Christmas. I wouldn't have the Democrat mayor on my Christmas card list either. He says, I think the whole country can look at this Christmas card and shudder a little bit and realize how inappropriate it is to show people with guns and a quote from George Washington saying that guns restrain evil. I think we saw the guns restraining evil yesterday. And if more people had had firearms, the evil would have been restrained earlier than it was, and lives would have been saved. But the mayor of Nashville says, guns lead to tragedies, and whatever your political feelings are, we should not be celebrating the cult of the gun. Now, they are the cult of prohibition, prohibition of everything. Guns, cars, stoves, heaters, you name it, food, everything. These people want to prohibit everything, and they are the cult. They truly are a cult. Gun control activist Shannon Watts, who is with a Bloomberg gun prohibition group, uh, blamed it on permitless carry. Uh, See, if they had had permits, this transgender would not have been able to... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, to conceal the guns they took in there. Right. Uh, they would have abided by that. That's uh, exactly why police and citizens oppose the permitless carry bill. She said, because of things that like, had absolutely nothing to do with it. As you can see from the pictures, Tennessee is one of 25 States that allow permitless carry of handguns for self-defense by law abiding citizens. And, um, All the Hollywood celebrities, besides Alyssa Milano, are all coming in. You've got Mia Farrow saying, hashtag, ban assault weapons. We owe this to our children and to our fellow human beings. Uh, Mia Farrow, by the way, is the wife of pedophile Woody Allen, who abused their adopted kids and married one of them. Uh, Maybe you need to put your own house in order, Mia Farrow, and the rest of you people in Hollywood, before you start giving the rest of us advice on how to run our lives. Jamie Lee Curtis, another one. All uppercase screaming. She got Trump's keyboard with a cap lock on there fixed. (laughs) She says, uh, she tweeted in all caps, ban assault weapons now. Jamie Lee Curtis, just a week or so ago when they were doing the Oscars, pushing tranny insanity with both the movie that she won an award for and with her own child. Uh, She's a poster child for what is wrong in this country. Grooming her kid. Why? Again, it's stage mother effect. Look at me, Hollywood. Not only do I support trannies, I turn my son into a tranny. is Jamie Lee Curtis. White House spokesperson, Jean-Pierre, Jean-Pierre, whatever. Republicans need to show some courage on gun restrictions. And I agree. I think what the Republicans need to do right now is they need to ban the ATF. Let's ban the ATF, it's unconstitutional. Everything that they do is an infringement and that is expressly prohibited in the Constitution. So Republicans, you need to show some courage on these gun restrictions and you need to get rid of the ATF. We'll be right back.
2: The David Knight show.
3: Well, before we get into uh, pharmaceutical issues, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with Trump. I was just talking about Jamie Lee Curtis having a Trump keyboard. <laughs> Maybe you can buy them at Truth social, right? Uh, I'd like to <laughs> get an ad for it. I like to get a Trump keyboard. It, it only types in uppercase. Uh, no, the way, uh, that B has it truth, social developers are feverishly working to fix a bug that makes Trump's post appear in all caps <laughs> examples. I just ate the worst sauce I've ever had at Julio's, right? And, uh, put it all in uppercase. Uh, my phone worked just fine before the sanctimonious came along, make phones great again. Yeah, exactly. And it's his, um, nicknames for people. Uh, he's, um, remember, uh, as he was trying to pick a fight with, uh, DeSantis, before DeSantis had any comments about uh, what was happening. And again, you know, look, I, I don't support any politician. I support principles. And so if DeSantis does the right thing, and he has done some things that are right, he's also done some things that are wrong, and I'm clear about that. Uh, he's made it clear that uh, his favorite uh, presidents were the two Bushes. That's a big red flag. Uh, he's made it clear that uh, he's going to... Consider uh, anti-Semitic speech a hate crime that uh, needs to be shut down. And that, that's hate crime legislation that's there now, but he's already early in his administration had a censorship of anything that was anti-Semitic. And I disagree with that. You know, I disagree with anti-Semitism, but I also disagree with uh, anybody deciding what speech is going to be allowed. And, um, you know, have many uh, First Amendment advocates who are Jewish would say the same thing noam chomsky said look um you know let's uh let's not censor people uh who are saying there's no holocaust or who are anti-semitic he said we can approach them in the public square and we can uh, shut them down with a uh, speech and that was always um something that was a heavy lift to say something like that but he's right the, the remedy for bad speech is more speech, not censorship. And so DeSantis got that very wrong. And it looks like uh, I, that bill from the same people that did that early uh, censorship bill looks like that's going to go through. They're going to make it. They're gonna, because you've got some people who are trolling the Jewish community, uh, putting out flyers, uh, projecting anti-Semitic stuff up on buildings or something. Their response is, well, we're going to make that a felony. And we're going to put you in jail. Wow. I couldn't disagree with that more. And that has not been shut down. So anyway, um, you know, when we talk about these types of things, at least DeSantis is talking about CBDC bringing uh, more awareness to it. But it was in that press conference that uh, someone, they didn't, weren't interested at all in what he had to say about the system of digital slavery. Instead, they wanted to talk to him about Trump. And he made one statement. You know, well, I don't have anything to say. First, he criticized the district attorney criticized him for a political attack against Trump. Then he said, um, made his comment, well, I don't really have anything to say about allegedly use, uh, paying hush money to a porn star. But he says what the real crime is, is that this district attorney is not protecting the people in his district because he's letting criminals out, because he's a Soros district attorney. Well, because of that one little thing, they focused on it and the rhetoric has gone up. But before that, Trump was calling him meatball Ron, and Ron DeSanctimonious, and as I said, uh, they don't like to talk about the fact that he, you know, what do these things mean? Well, the meatball thing was, he made it a little bit clearer in case you didn't understand. He was uh, mocking him for being Italian. Because he went on with Hannity, and uh, Monday night, and Trump said DeSantis would be working in a pizza parlor without his 2018 endorsement. I made him. I'm, I made him governor. And I can break in. And if it wasn't for me, this little meatball would be working in a pizza par. And you look at this and you say, not only is Trump a deeply offended narcissist who can only act out of his own perceived self-interest or out of vengeance, but he's also uh, just an extremely nasty person who has a juvenile ability to insult people. This is the kind of stuff you'd expect to see on a playground in first grade. This is the, you know, get your level of insults up a little bit. You know, it just shows how pathetic he is, but it also shows that this is really about professional wrestling. This is his approach. This is where he uh, grew up, if you will. Uh, the exact quote, he said, I, I got him the nomination. By the way, he could have never gotten the nomination. He would be working in either a pizza parlor place or a law office right now. Okay? Yeah, okay. You tell us about that, Benedict Donald. But the whole thing about professional wrestling, you know, if you listen to this program, I've been saying that that's what Trump is all about. And they had about a 30-page article on Politico talking about how that's really how Donald Trump has operated. How professional wrestling explains today's GOP. Uh, the author of a new book on Vince McMahon, I guess that's how you pronounce his name. I don't follow wrestling. Uh, and uh, so he wrote a book called Ringmaster, Vince McMahon and the Unmaking of America. And um, in it, it's a biography of the former world wrestling entertainment CEO embedded though, within the uh, Reisman's book, more than 400 pages based on more than 150 interviews is an analysis of today's twisted political climate. So the author Reisman says wrestling has metastasized into the broader world, especially since the inauguration of Trump. There's little difference between Trumpism and Vince's neo-Kefabi, which is, um, I guess the, what they call the theatrics that they use, uh, each with their infinite and indistinguishable layers of irony and and insincerity. Each philosophy approaches life with one goal to remake reality in such a way as to defeat one's enemies and to sate one's insecurities. And so he says, when you look at Ron DeSantis, he said many observers of politics tend to think about candidates who are at odds they think of them in terms of their lanes. But he says at this point it might be more useful, says the author Riseman, Reisman, to think in terms of roles, heroes and villains, or in industry lingo, uh, faces and heels. And the fluidity of such positioning within the twists and turns of storylines that can see similar combatants giving rise to new contestants and surprising results. I've said that for the longest time. I didn't know that it was faces and heels, I thought it was heroes and heels. Heroes and villains, faces and heels. I always said uh, heroes and heels. I said this is the way Trump is, is doing this. And of course, Trump uh, is not just a um, you know, passive observer, he's been an active participant, very closely allied with uh, Vince McMahon and, um, and um, you know, participant in all that stuff. And that's exactly the way he runs his political campaigns. Is Trump using evangelicals? Oh Well, this is uh, kind of interesting from American Thinker, which typically is cheering Trump no matter what he does. And they said, um, someone needs to tell his orangeness <laughs> that as evangelicals, we give only Jesus our everlasting loyalty. We're grateful for what the former President Trump did in his first term. But when Biden took the oath of office in 2021, those of us who voted for Trump in 16 and 20 were released from our loyalty obligations to him. Well, for me, I had absolutely no loyalty to Trump. I liked some of the things he said he was going to do, but you know, first three years of his presidency, you could see, you know, a couple of things, he boxes, he checked for the most part, they were empty campaign promises, not much different from any other politician that runs Democrat or Republican, but then came 2020. And 2020, in my opinion, was an absolute traitorous betrayal of America and America's Constitution. And I will never support him. I will never excuse anything that he had to do. But, of course, uh, Trump has a very high opinion of himself. As I talked about before, this is um, what he thinks of Christianity and religion in general.
7: You know, nobody has done more for... Christianity. Nobody has done more for religion of all type than me. And they're really doing things now too. And I've always said it. They are against organized religion. They're against Christianity.
3: So there you go. And, and, um, he has been, <laughs> as you have all these people like Paula White gather around him and make him the face of Christianity that has done so much for Christianity, hasn't it? Everybody is screaming hypocrisy, not Christianity. So he goes on to say, here's what I pray happens sometime soon. I pray that Donald experiences a a Damascus Road encounter with Jesus, that Jesus calls him to faith, tells him to stop using his people in America. I believe that miracles still happen, and watching the Donald coming to faith would be one to behold. Yes, it would. Can you imagine? Donald Trump being converted. Uh that would be very interesting to see him humbled. What would it take to humble Donald Trump? I don't know. Uh, as twenty twenty four approaches, will Donald Trump admit that You might that need he's... a
0: herd of swine on a hill nearby.
3: <laughs> yeah, you see Yeah, we'll know what happens when you see a herd of swine run into the Potomac. There you go. you cast out the demons. Uh, <laughs> uh will Donald Trump admit that he's not a maker of heaven and earth? Will he finally bend the knee? And choose to follow Jesus, maker of heaven and earth. Well, uh, Trump sees himself as the maker of the jab. You know, that's what he's so happy about, is uh, the jab that he created for all of us. But he has, show the picture of um, Trump. He's now put out uh, one of these uh, AI-generated images that have gotten very photorealistic. That's the thing that I thought was amazing. A thing that I thought was so interesting with all those pictures that were put up, kind of a cartoon you know, here's uh, Trump with an AR-15 challenging the police. Now he's he's punching them. Now he's running from them. Now they've got him on the ground, and there's Melania crying or Melania laughing in one of them. Uh, then he gets the orange jumpsuit. He's mopping the floors. Then he escapes prison by going through the, the sewer. And then as he's running out, he stops by the McDonald's. <laughs> he gets caught by McDonald's. I thought it was funny, uh, but I was also amazed at how good the AI art had gotten I, no none of the frames did he have six fingers that's always been uh, the thing and, and very photorealistic in all of them. Uh, so I thought it was humorous. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, but this one uh, now you see a picture of him kneeling with light on him, and he's kneeling on one knee. I got his head down, and light is shining from above. Well, there you go, a poser. It is a fake image of fake faith by a fake president. Yes, he can hold a Bible in the air, too, and he actually did that in real life. He <laughs> he walked to a church with a bunch of people around him and uh, he held a Bible in the air. Of course, he didn't open it up. Uh, that's the key thing. i are gonna have to get to, uh, uh, something is going to have to get him to open up a Bible. I think only God can do that. Um, the AI generated image of himself taking a knee beneath a ray of heavenly light in order to pray. And uh, the people, <laughs> up. futurism said, presumably for himself not to be arrested <laughs> for giving hush money to a porn star. Uh, have you ever, can you imagine Trump repenting of anything? I've never seen anybody more proud of himself and more proud of his long list of sins. Uh, that's one thing that's unique about him. Uh, and then they said, well, I don't know his, um, to see him on his knees. I don't know about you, but we've never met a 76 year old with that level of hip mobility. (laughs) That's pretty true. A person writing this must know from experience. And so then the Washington post, as we're talking about uh, Benedict Donald, uh, this is coming from bearing arms, second amendment site, BearingArms.com, And, uh, Washington post says, Hey, you know who wanted an assault weapons ban? Well, yes, it was Benedict Donald himself. It wasn't just that take the guns and do the due process later. It wasn't just that Trump bump where he banned the bump stock with executive order, setting a precedent that nobody had ever done before. The Washington Post's 10-part hit piece on the AR-15 was released on Monday. Reporter Emily Miller discovered this little nugget involving Trump. According to the Washington Post, back in 2019, Trump floated the idea of banning modern sporting rifles, that's the AR-15, you know, the assault rifles, some of them are called, but modern sporting rifles. He floated the idea of banning modern sporting rifles in 2019, just months after the ATF enacted a ban on bump stocks under his watch. You see, you let them get away with one um, uh, new precedent, you know, like, Well, I'm going to ban bump stocks. That worked? Okay, what else can I do now? Now with my new power, my new superpower that I've just discovered, well, I can ban all assault weapons. That'd be great. This is the Washington Post. Shortly after Parkland, Trump repeatedly floated the idea of supporting a new assault weapons ban. He mentioned it on live TV to one of the Senate's most vocal gun control backers, Senator Dianne Feinstein, and in a private meeting with Parkland families. His comments rattled NRA officials at some of his own advi- and some of his own advisors. NRA representatives later warned Trump against taking action. Quote, they came up here and said to him the base is gonna blow you up, according to a former official who sat in during a series of meetings with the NRA. You see, the NRA would sit there and do nothing while Trump established a new precedent of gun control by executive order because it was just the bump stock. But now you come after um, you know, what is, you know, one quarter of the guns that are out there are modern sporting rifles and you're going to ban 25% of the guns that are out there right now. Uh, so the NRA, uh, like others interviewed for this article, spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss, uh, private interactions, uh, but Trump kept coming back to the idea Uh, According, I'm sorry, that wasn't the NRA. He said it's a former official who talked about the meeting with the NRA. Trump kept coming back to the idea, according to several former administration officials. In the summer of 2019, after back-to-back mass shootings in Dayton, Ohio, and El Paso, involving AR-15-style pistol and an AKM-style rifle, Trump told aides that he wanted to ban AR-15s, according to people present for the statement. Quote, I don't know why anyone needs an AR 15, Trump told aides as he flew on Marine One to the White House in August 2019. Uh, his reflexes were the reflexes of a New York liberal on guns. Well, because that's what Trump is. Trump is a New York Democrat, always has been. Even when he's at the, the meeting early on, in his administration, and he's in a tuxedo. And he turns around and points to uh, Chuck Schumer, who's there, and he said, he used to love me when I was a Democrat, right? Because his reflexes are the same as they've always been, a New York liberal. But, and that's one of the reasons why he calls uh, Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSanctimonious, right? He's holding big events for the LGBT in Mar-a-Lago, and uh, Trump is... Uh, against anything that's going to restrict grooming kids because he's all about the LGBT. Trump is not about kids. He's not about protecting kids in any way, shape, or form. So anybody who does anything, even though it's not enough, I said it's ridiculous that DeSantis would only protect kids from kindergarten to third grade. Trump doesn't want to protect it at all. He calls the guy who does it Ron DeSanctimonious. That's his way of saying, oh, this is a don't say gay bill, you see. But will the evangelicals figure that out? No. I haven't seen anybody say that in print. Say, well, why is he calling him Ron to sanctimonious? Well, because he's trying to stop this gender gaslighting and grooming of kids. So uh, his reflexes were New York liberal on guns. He doesn't have knee-jerk conservative reflexes. But Trump was also petrified of the NRA and of others. Taking him on, said former advisors. And so when you look at people who, um, are talking about, um, this, um, uh, they were quoted further on in the Washington post, uh, he said, quote, F it, I'm not going to work with them on anything. talking about the NRA. Um, and so, uh, Steve Chung, a Trump spokesman did not respond to detailed findings in this article, but he said that quote, there have been no bigger defenders of the second amendment than president Trump. He said that Trump had offered other proposals after the mass shooting, such as adding security guards to schools and allowing teachers who are licensed to carry a weapon to do so. Well, the Second Amendment site, BearingArms.com, said, well, that's an interesting non-denial on the part of Stephen Chung, a Trump spokesperson. While Trump's record on the Second Amendment has to take into account his judicial nominations, uh, which have been a boon to gun owners nationwide. Well, guess what? Those Judicial nominations were picked by his staff, his staff who was telling him, don't do an AR-15 ban. It wasn't Trump. It was his staff who was putting out there the judicial nominations. Trump is a New York Democrat gun prohibition liberal. Uh, I like taking the guns early, like in this crazy man's case that just took place in Florida. To go to court would have taken a long time. Trump said at the meeting that we've all seen televised, take the guns first, then go through due process later. He says, see that should have been a red flag right there about Benedict Donald, but not to most of these people. Um, David Storm or Strom says, right. David Strom says, gun owners and Trump supporters should not be surprised by the Washington post revelations calling him a political chameleon who changes positions with the wind and arguing that a second term for Trump would give him the opportunity to reverse course once again. Uh, A presidential change of heart would be a big deal on guns. With anyone as mercurial as Trump, he would be very unpredictable on this issue in the second term. Because you understand that even though people look at, well, he's, Pointed these judges and we got rid of Roe v. Wade. But what did he do? He turned around and he criticized Christians for that. Said, because of you, we lost this election. Not because of me. Not because of my endorsements. But because of you pushing pro-life issues. It was his staff who picked these judges to go in there, whether you're talking about the Supreme Court or the other ones. Trump is not pro-life. He's not pro-family. He's not pro-gun. Uh, ownership, any of this stuff. He's not pro-Constitution. He's a traitor. Trump, says uh, David Strom, can only be relied upon to support Trump. He will say what he needs to in order to keep the political enthusiasm for his candidacy high among his supporters. Should he get elected for a second term, however, expect policy reversals once he feels he can get away with it. He has pushed 5G, he's pushed cities, he did lockdown. He created the vaccine that harmed people. And listen to him talking about biometric identification. Maybe we should call it Trump ID.
7: We will finally complete the biometric entry exit visa tracking system, which we need desperately. In my administration, we will ensure that this system is in place. And I will tell you, it will be on land, it will be on sea, it will be in air. We will have a proper tracking system.
3: And the idiots cheered just like they cheered Hitler as he was about to take. And then the Nazi reference, look, these people will go for E-Verify. They'll go for a, a, an ID identification system that tracks you everywhere you go. You can't fly. You can't travel. You can't go anywhere, do anything without your ID is what Trump is saying. And we got to have it because of the border. You know, he pushed this idea of a wall, which was never going to work. Never would have worked if they had done it. It never would have worked. Uh, it's too easy to go around these walls. Look, they've got a giant magnet pulling people in. A giant magnet called drug prohibition. A giant magnet called welfare for people who come, free education, all the rest of the stuff. You want to stop the immigration? You stop pulling people in by offering them stuff. But instead, the Republicans want to come out and say, well, we've got to stop this. We've got to stop this. We need to have E-Verify so nobody can get a job unless Washington okays it. We got to have identification everywhere. And of course, you know how this already works. The TSA is going over you with a fine tooth comb. They're going to make biometric face identification mandatory. And yet people coming across the border, nothing for them. They can come in while we had masks and vaccines for anybody to travel. Oh no, bring the people in who crossed over the border illegally. We'll fly them around everywhere. It's going to be a double standard. That'll all still happen. But these idiots who are following Trump and cheering him on they'll get their identification stuff it'll be for them and it will be used against them just as the TSA is used against us does not protect us at all TSA border patrol all the stuff at the border doesn't protect it hassles Americans and these are the idiots who are cheering him on for all of that it's just amazing to me Just amazing. Professional wrestling, indeed. Uh, Let me just say thank you. Some people in the comments here. uh, On Rockfin, uh, Utopian Lobotomy, thank you very much for the tip. (laughs) And um, on Rumble, we have Harps. Uh, Thank you for the tip, uh, Harps. David, I'm sure that more kids go missing every year, never to be seen again, that outnumber all of those figures combined. Yeah, that's the other aspect of it. Child trafficking and all the rest of this stuff. I mean, it's just they focus on the gun, uh, on uh, rumble also harps. Thank you for another tip there. He has a comment. He says, not waiting for the Jamie Lee Curtis movie, <laughs> tranny places. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of trading places, tranny places. You know, the guy who did that movie, um, what was his name? Uh, um, he did a, a great, uh, the guy who produced the movie and everything. He was a real truth teller, a uh, real interesting guy. But I mean, he died of cancer. He actually ran for president. Um, I think it was with a libertarian party. Did you find his name there? can't remember his name. Um, anyway, on rumble, Angus Mustang, thank you very much for the tip. He says if Trump wins in 24, <laughs> I'm moving to Antarctica. Yeah. It's, it's going to be bad because he's going to get away with a lot of stuff that people would resist from Biden. And that's what I said, you know, when people were saying, Hey, you, you, you want Biden and he's going to be even worse. And I said, no, people will understand and oppose at least some of the Republicans, even if they agree with the agenda, they will make uh, some token movement to try to stop it just because of uh, political uh, partisanship. Uh, but if, it is, um, if it's if Trump, they'll just lay down for it. And we saw that over and over again. Uh, that's exactly what happened. Uh, we're gonna be right back, stay with us.
8: Show we've got a problem.
2: Oh, what, uh, who, who are you?
8: It's the new mug they're selling at the davidnightshow.com right? So, basically, a mug is something that holds liquid, right? Because, basically, you can't hold coffee with your hands, right?
3: I, I'm what it's scattingly, but anyone tries to mug me, I, uh, I'm be ready for it. You, you, dog-faced pony soldier?
8: They say the mug can help patriots drink coffee, then save the world this could be bad for us
3: save the world but we own the world these people they they're supporting free speech with every month they buy come on these
2: people uh, i I tell you well well anyway you're listening to the david knight show
3: well while we're talking about uh, things like having an ID to go everywhere. Trump likes that. He likes the, you know, uh, utopian city idea. He's got Trump cities. <laughs> Instead of smart cities, you would have Trump cities. <laughs> Maybe the left wouldn't fall for that. I don't know. It's kind of like a, that's too obvious that it's uh, for dummies. Anyway, the uh, great food reset has begun. That's a article from unheard talking about France being in flames The Netherlands, political establishment, things changing very rapidly there. Um, uh, Thank you, Geesebusters. I appreciate that. It's very generous. I appreciate that tip. Anyone who supports this traitor is brain dead. How many different clues do you have to have about this guy? I mean, it it is just amazing to see what he did, to see the way he's conducting himself. Yeah, Chris Christie is in New Hampshire talking about, you need somebody like me. He's going to take him head on, you know, and do to him what I did to Marco Rubio, and you got to be ready because he's going to hit you back and all this other kind of stuff. I, uh, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe he will, but uh, he doesn't seem to have any support. Uh, but it is going to be a, have to be a situation like that. You're going to have to have somebody who basically just throws himself on the Trump grenade. <laughs> because if he don't have that, he's going to just basically you know, be sniping everybody from, <laughs> from here to the to 2024. Uh, so you look at what happened in uh, the netherlands the farmer citizen movement the bbb uh, grew out of mass demonstrations of course against them trying to shut everything down but the reason i bring this up again because i've talked about this is that this is focused of course on the smaller family owned farms that they want to shut down because the big food producers are all allied with them already right and um they're in the netherlands the world economic forum is i've talked about before, Ruta, you know, they have uh, uh, selected them as a model for testing them as a hub for food distribution. So they're using the Netherlands and Mark Ruta, who is closely tied to the World Economic Forum and Davos, just like uh, Trudeau is, they're using him both to shut down food production and to consolidate food production and consolidate food distribution. That's what's going on there in the Netherlands. And the reason this is uh, worth bringing back up again is because now a document from the European Commission has surfaced. And even though it is very heavily redacted, this is one thing that they did not redact. It makes you wonder, as bad as this statement is, what they actually covered up. Because this was still left open. Extensifying agriculture, Notably, through buying out or terminating farms with the aim of reducing livestock, this would first be on a voluntary basis, but a mandatory buyout is not excluded if necessary. They declare their intentions. And that's the way it'll always run with all this stuff. We'll give you incentives. We'll give you options, just like they did with a vaccine. We'll give you uh, you know, some incentives and some options. If you don't take that, then we're going to force you to do it. The rationale behind this drastic measure is also questionable. Agriculture currently accounts for almost half of the country's output of carbon dioxide. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Uh, Yet the Netherlands is responsible for less than 0.4% of the world's emissions. And as Eric Peters pointed out, you know, know what percentage of our atmosphere is carbon dioxide? 0.4% is carbon dioxide. They're putting out 0.4% of human emissions. Because carbon dioxide is coming from all kinds of sources. Natural, uh, not just man-made. And so the whole thing is a bunch of nonsense. So what is 0.4% of 0.4%? In Fauci's words, it's rare. It's very rare. It's it's negligible there, yeah. Um, The farmers also point out the consequences of cutting nitrogen are going to extend well beyond the Netherlands. The country, after all, is Europe's largest exporter of meat. The second largest agricultural exporter in the world, just behind the United States. And this is why a very small country like that, uh, these globalists can buy Ruta. And you have other people in his administration that are tied in with uh, the, this food distribution stuff and the big grocery store chain that is there, partnering with uh, Bill Gates and this corporation called Picnic. So they can buy their way into this and get a lot of leverage because this tiny nation, the Netherlands, is second in food exporting only to the United States. And they feel like they can have their way there. That's why it's very important what is going on there with this rise of the, um, the, the farmers and the citizens there to push back on this. Uh, if they're successful, their plan would cause food exports worldwide to collapse at a time when the world is already facing food and resource shortage, thanks to the actions that were done by our traitorous leaders in every country. creating this uh, whiplash through the supply chains. We already know what this looks like. We saw it happen in Sri Lanka. Uh, They enacted these same uh, rules and regulations, created an artificial food shortage, plunged 2 million people in Sri Lanka into poverty and starvation, but it ultimately led to an uprising that toppled the government. And just the plans of doing this have already uh, changed the political landscape in the Netherlands. We better wake people up. If people understand what is going to happen, and they did in the Netherlands, uh, they understood that, and so there has been a pushback against it. So, um, the uh, again, is, this is all about the new world orders that are coming from these people. A, ro- a reset the table is a foundation a report from the Rockefeller Foundation in 2020. Reset the table. It called for moving away from a focus on maximizing shareholder returns to a more equitable system focused on fair returns and benefits to all stakeholders. You say this is a stakeholder capitalism versus shareholder capitalism. It is fundamentally dishonest, ESG is. It is a, an abuse of the fiduciary trust that ought to be shut down by the SEC. But, of course, the SEC is playing along with that. The SEC is busy trying to shut down crypto not to shut down people who say, well, we got a corporation here, we're organized to make profit, so you invest in it, and then you find out, no, they're not about making a profit. They're about losing money to please the government because they've been given a stake in what's coming. That's what stakeholder capitalism is. It's not just crony capitalism. It's not just money for their friends. It's an outright betrayal of us. It is traitorous action by multinational corporations who believe that they're going to have a, you want to talk about resetting the table? They're going to have a place at the table. That's what they're angling for. We're going to lose money right now to buy our place at the table. And we'll be at the round table of global governance. And so Rockefeller Foundation allied with the WEF pushing this stakeholder stuff. And of course there's an organization called EAT, as uh, Unheard says, arguably the most influential public-private organization dedicated to, quote, transforming our global food system. EAT is based on the premise that global policymakers should be shaped by a wide range of unelected stakeholders, such as academic institutions, multinational corporations, all working hand-in-glove with governments that have betrayed us over these last 1,112 days. This network, co founded by the Wellcome Trust, consists of UN agencies, world leading universities, and corporations such as Google and Nestle. Uh, the founder is a Norwegian philanthropist married to one of the country's richest men. And she has described her intention to organize a quote, Davos for food. So the World Food Foundation. <laughs> Uh, there they were originally supported by the World Health Organization, but there was a, a breaking after an Italian ambassador um, talked about how harmful uh, their recommendations were. Their dietary regime said it was nutritionally deficient, dangerous to human health. So um, for whatever reason, I mean, typically the uh, maybe they just didn't pay the World Health Organization enough money, and they backed off. But something else is going on. You're seeing uh, as Britain is. Shutting down their roads as part of the 15-minute city, uh, the what they call the low-traffic neighborhoods. You know, gay is trying to do the same thing here in the U.S. Uh, we're going to destroy racist roads. We're going to block roads. We're, you know, it's not enough for them to put speed bumps and to narrow the roads. You know, they call it when they narrow the roads and put bike lanes that nobody uses. They call that a road diet. When they put uh, speed bumps on them, they call that a road calming measure. But in the UK, they're just uh, saying, we're not going to let you drive through here. They put a barricade there and says road closed. Well, residents don't like that. Residents fed up with low traffic neighborhoods, LTNs, have launched an extraordinary rebellion against the controversial schemes by setting them on fire. This is reported by the Daily Skeptic out of the UK. Uh, Vigilantes in Rochdale, Greater Manchester, torched a number of planters which were used to close roads just hours after they were installed last week. Footage shows the boxes completely destroyed with locals online praising the Freedom Fighters for acting against the low traffic measures. Frustrated residents in Oxford have also taken action against the schemes. With video emerging of a driver confronting eco-zealots, policing an LTN blockade and refusing to let her pass on her way to work. They have no authority to stand guard at the blockades. Of course, these people have been blocking the roads, and now the government is blocking the roads. You know They've been blocking the roads with their body, and you've seen pictures for quite a while of uh, people who've just had enough of it getting out of their car and dragging them off uh, to the side. But they waited for a long time before they started doing that. And all these people who say, well, the 15-minute cities are not, a threat to anybody? It's all about convenience. No, it's not about convenience. Telling people that they can't go from one zone to the other except a couple of times a month, that they're going to be monitored and everything that they do. If they want to travel from one place to the other, they've got to go to the securitist route around the outside of the city and other things like that. London Mayor Sadiq Khan has repeatedly defended the rollout of deeply unpopular money-making low-traffic neighborhoods. Across London, despite businesses Local and workers branding them a war on motorists. It's not just a war on motorists. It's a war on those businesses as well. People can't get to their businesses. It's all by design. This is to crush the middle class. And it's a direct assault on our freedoms by directing, assaulting our mobility. These things were introduced during the pandemic. Like so much of this stuff. Critics say the schemes force traffic onto a small number of roads, increasing congestion and increasing pollution. Why? Why increasing pollution? Because you're setting in traffic. So the solution is you ban the cars, right? They're not going to take away their barricades. It's going to be up to the people to take away those barricades. Opponents say that LTNs make it impossible for residences or businesses to go about their daily lives and have turned some areas into rat runs in favor of more affluent streets. Well, of course, this is all about protecting the elites, and this is all about making sure that you have no job and you have no business. A series of violent incidents over the LTNs has been reported by Oxford since they were launched, with an elderly man run down and another beaten with a traffic cone. <laughs> uh, the county council has now approved a 6.5 million pound trial screen scheme, To introduce traffic filters on six artery roads in the city, Uh, they said um, the trial run was launched February the 6th in um, the uh, Deeplish and Milkstone area of the town with the aim of encouraging the use of public transport and of walking and of cycling. See, Uh, no cars. This has always been no cars. Uh, Google even called their smart city Sidewalk Lab. You'll not just be walking on the sidewalks. You'll probably be living on the sidewalks if they don't like you. However, just hours after they were put in place, videos were shared showing vehicles driving on the pavement to go around them. And then, just after 8 p.m., emergency services were called after some were set on fire and forcibly removed from the road. The violence and the threats have been condemned by the council who cleared up the debris before reopening all affected roads. It worked. They caved. The council later announced that the active travel trial uh, that this was part of has now been paused, meaning that the roads will not be closed again while they consider their next steps. They'll never give up. They'll regroup, they'll come up with another scheme. And one of the things that makes this so difficult is that we have been trained to establish, and I have criticized this for the longest time, and we look at uh, the way that they've carefully designed their ability to take away our mobility. For the longest time, and one of the places where they first removed our right to trial by jury, is with traffic offenses. Now, you technically do have that. And um, in Texas, I use that. It, I never did go to actually a jury trial. It was difficult because I was doing the show during the day. and I, you know, uh, But um, just to call them up, And to say, no, um, you know, Texas law says I've got a right to trial by jury. I'm going to take that and I'm going to represent myself. And I need to have some information from you because I'm going to contest this in a jury trial. Then you start to get the um, prosecutor starts to get interested in talking to you. Um, (laughs) Well, maybe we can uh, come up with some other arrangement. They don't want to, they really want to avoid a jury trial. And usually what they'll do is come up with what I found that they would do is agree to uh, remove the speeding ticket uh, and not to uh, put it against my driving record and to give me some kind of a fine or something like that. And um, I was okay with that. But you understand, again, we really do need to push. And I didn't do it, and I should have. We need to push for a jury trial. Because when you don't have a jury trial, these people that are going around these barricades, uh, and drive, they've got their license plates and they can easily find them and they can bring them in. And if they had a jury trial, do you think their fellow citizens, as angry as the people in that town are with the town council, do you think their citizens would find them guilty? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, that's the key thing. We have a guest who's coming up, Jack Lawson, and we're going to talk about civil defense manuals. And it's a two volume book. And I, this is a wealth of information. I've had Jack on several times. And I've always recommended his book. And, you know, when we look at resources that are out there, like I said, you know, um, Gerald Salenti's uh, Trends Journal is great for an overall picture, a picture of the economy. And, of course, um, you know, you can go to trendsjournal.com and if you use the code NIGHT, you get a 10% off with that. Um, but... Um, Um, You know, that and um, when I have uh, Joel Skousen on and we talk about his books about preparation, Joel Skousen talks about where to live and how to harden your home and things like that. But Civil Defense Manual, uh, Volumes 1 and 2, uh, he's talking about how to prepare and protect your neighborhood from disaster, riot, and civil unrest. So this is the other part of it. You know, Joel Skousen looks at where do you go and how do you prepare your house but Jack Lawson is looking at, okay, how do you organize your neighborhood? How do you prepare food that is going to last throughout all this stuff? And how do you defend yourself with your neighbors? Well, if push comes to shove, that's the other side of the equation. And so um, we're going to be talking to him in just a moment. But before we do, uh, I want to share with you a prayer request that we had from a listener. Uh, His name is Sean. And he said, My wife and I had our fifth child back in December. And his name is Michael. During the pregnancy, he was diagnosed with, and I'll give you the name of this um, hypoplastic right heart syndrome with tricuspid atresia. I have no idea what this is, and you probably don't either, but it's a rare birth defect. And as a result, this young child who was born in December. we will need three open-heart surgeries to fix, one of them at birth, another one at four to six months, and another one at two years of age. Now, he says that um, when he was born December 4th, he said um, we saw God's hand in all of it because they didn't have to have that first open-heart surgery. Uh, He was born at 10 pounds, and his arteries were big enough that they decided to put a stent and do in in lieu of open heart surgery for their first procedure. He was put on blood thinners and his pulse oxygen levels are around 77%. Uh, so they have scheduled him for open heart surgery on April the 13th. We spent the last month searching for a matching unvaccinated blood and platelet donor for his surgery. It took some time, but God has provided that as well. I've enclosed some pics of him, by the way, I'd show you the pics, but, uh, Uh, They didn't come through on the email, so maybe they didn't get attached. Um, So he asked if we would share his story, call for a prayer for him with the audience. And so this is uh, for Sean's son, Michael. And um, he says, I know that in a few weeks, it'll be God's hand repairing his tiny heart, while it's still beating, just as he has done with mine. But I would be lying to say I wasn't scared. We know that God is in control. We're ready to accept whatever He chooses to do. And uh, so that is the type of prayer that God answers. We don't make demands on God. We don't know what He chooses to do. But we know that if we recognize that He's in control, then it is uh, whatever happens will be ultimately for our good and to be ultimately to glorify God. So we just pray that God would. heal uh, this young child's heart, Michael, uh, child of Sean. We'll be right back.
2: next move. And now, The David Knight Show.
7: The David Knight Show is a critical by listening to The David Night Show. Please do your part and try not to spread it. Financial support or simply telling others about the show causes this dangerous information to spread farther. People have to trust me. I mean, trust the science. Wear your mask. Take your vaccine. Don't ask questions.
2: Using free speech to free minds. It's the David Knight Show.
3: Has your news been censored, banned, censored, banned over and over again? Has vital information been held prisoner by mainstream and anti-social media? It's the duty of every thinking person to make the great escape to the DavidNightShow.com. There you'll find links to live streams, videos, audio podcasts, and support links. Live stream the show at DLive and every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern. Videos at Shoot and YouTube. New audio podcast, The Real David Knight Show, at Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, and more. But even though there's a light at the end of the tunnel, without your support, the show will run out of gas. The links to support the show are at thedavidknightshow.com to donate via Subscribestar, donate via... or donate via... Cash App, Bitcoin, or P.O. Box. Our sincere thanks to all of you who have stood with us to get this fall. Please don't forget to share the links and pray for the country as well as our family. All right, and we are back. And joining us now is Jack Lawson. As I was saying before the break, um, Civil Defense Manual. It's a two vol- sold as a two-volume set because there's a lot of different topics in here. And you need to get the bigger picture with all this. I've had Jack Lawson on many times been a while since he's been on, but I remember one of the first times I had him on, he was talking about supply chain disruptions and it was before, uh, everything got locked down and we saw all the supply chain disruptions and he was stressing the fact that you have this <laughs> in your supply chain. Uh, you, you've got the, you know, we have just in time supply delivery and we got these long, uh, lines of supply get broken in one particular place and it's going to shut everything down. And boy, we've been living that for the last three years. So joining us now is Jack Lawson. And I want to give you a little bit of an idea of his background. Thank you for joining us, uh, Jack.
9: Thank you. Thank you. It's always good to talk to you and, uh, listen to that golden voice. <laughs> well,
3: Thank you very much. By the way, it's civil defense is the website. Uh, and uh, we'll put that back up as as we talk to uh, Jack. You'll see that there, uh, Jack. How did you uh, tell people a little bit about your experience? I know that you've had uh, experience as a soldier. I know that you've got a lot of. Contr- it's not just your experience, which is vast and all of this stuff, uh, but you've also got the you, you've uh, got other people who have different areas of expertise, whether it's in communications or uh, organizing, um, you know, neighborhood defense and that type of thing. So you've got other contributors that are in this. Uh, but you've had uh, a lot of experience yourself. uh How did you first get interested in all this stuff? Was it uh when you were a soldier or was it earlier than that?
9: All was earlier than that when I wrote uh, I rose to uh, uh my uh, years of uh, teenage years in a farm family. uh we had eleven in our family, and uh, my dad went from being the largest egg uh, exporter to the Marshall Plan in the Mediterranean. I uh, made millions of dollars, got into farming. Unfortunately, Yuri got in, everything went off the cliff. We almost lost everything. Uh, being a fighter that he was and taught us to be, uh, the living in the family, uh, we started to realize that what we sat down at the table to eat, what we drank, where we slept, the warmth that we had didn't just appear. It was something that was not guaranteed. And because of that, uh, that got me, uh, that turned the light bulb on in my head. But the, the, after that, uh, I pretty much had that mindset of what we eat, consume, medicines we take, not a given. Because of that, I've always been concerned about having uh, sufficient uh, supplies of items that I could store. Now I also uh, spent cold year or the uh, Cold War years uh, in the Air Force. I was a nuclear arming specialist. I wanted to go to Vietnam, couldn't get there, couldn't get out of what I was in because it was a limited supply of guys that knew how to do what I did. So after I got out of the Air Force, I went to Africa and got into uh, the Foreign Legion. And the bottom line is, I was in a nasty little war for. Three years, I saw the heartache and the heartbreak of the, the people over there and uh, the way they lived. I saw people that were starving. Uh, it left an indelible imprint on my mind, David. So uh, not uh, people in this country do not understand unless they see those things. Not on TV. You have to see them up personal
3: yeah uh, up that's right. front
9: and and personal
3: yeah that's right
9: so that's that's pretty much where where i started and then i realized that look we since carter in 1976 uh the civil defense system basically's been shut down so all we've got left are coffee cups with the logo on and uh you know sirens that go off once in a while they're going to tell you that you're going to in deep doo-doo, but, uh, not how much, or no trainings <laughs> given to anybody. Right.
3: And, uh, you know, hey, we saw that during the cold war. It's like, uh, you look at the you know duck and cover, stick your head in your desk. Or if you're, you see a big flash in the city, as they told you, missiles are coming in. And of course, in those days they traveled a lot slower. Uh, as you see the missiles coming in and everybody's stuck in a traffic jam, trying to get out of that, uh, concentrated city. When you see the flash, yeah. get out of your car and lay down in the ditch and you'll be just fine. <laughs>
6: Yeah.
9: Yeah. 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 Well, I was, I went to nuclear, uh, weapons school and, and the bottom line is, uh, uh, if the mad doctrine, the mutual assured destruction, in other words, we got into it with China and or Russia, the bottom line with the planet would be incinerated and, uh, you know, you know, say your prayers, type right. of the thing. but the, that, that, you know what, I don't think people realize, I, I just had an incident happen to me last Friday, my wife and I went to uh, the big city close to us, and while in the city, we had other business to do there, but while in the city, we uh, go go to a mall, you know, not that we don't have those things around here, but my wife wanted another pair of the perfect pants, so we're <laughs> in this big mall, and this Dillard's Macy type thing, and uh, it, to me, shopping is brutal.
6: <laughs> yeah. I've
9: walked a hundred miles in Africa. Uh, across <laughs> across the bush country, and uh, walking 800 yards in a in a shopping center just drives me up the wall. So I sat down in, in underneath the escalators, and decided to take a snooze. Now I had my special forces chapter hat on, and I pulled that down. I was uh, starting to go to sleep, and I heard a blood curdling scream. Now this the point of the story is when you get done listening to this, this is how much people have the capacity to get away from the illusion they're living and deal with reality. Mm -hmm. Heard this blood curdling scream. Me and another guy get up. We run over the escalator stop. We look up the escalator. for whatever reason, this young guy goes and sits down. I see this woman and she's screaming. So me 75 years young, I go two steps (laughs) at a time up the escalator to the top. I immediately surveyed the situation to see what danger there was to me what was going on, and how I could help. Now, there's, there's at least 20 people standing there, including two mall security guards in their spiffy uh, yellow and black uniforms. And I looked down, and there's a little dog uh, with his paw caught in the escalator. Mm. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, I love dogs, but I don't like to see any creatures so well. I could think of a couple of two-legged creatures maybe here or there that I wouldn't mind being <laughs> suffering. But the, the bottom line is I, I, the lady was screaming these animalistic sounds, and, and I turned to her and I said, Ma'am, I said, quit screaming and hold your dog's uh, snout so he doesn't bite me. And she's screaming away, and she's got a 40000 This is like a Versace handbag and a $40,000 <laughs> hog ring in her nose, you know, a diamond and uh, so she grabs her dog, and I managed to get my knife and pry and pull the dog's foot out. Now, his leg was pretty mangled, but the whole time I'm doing this, everybody's standing. By the time I got down, are 35 people there. And I turned to the mall guys, and I said, I don't know what they're paying you guys for. <laughs> and the lady was profusely... Uh, appreciative of the fact that I got her dog's foot out. I tied one of my handkerchiefs around there to stop, try to stop the bleeding, but I don't know. This dog was close to being maybe his tripod now. I don't know. It got pretty mangled. But the point being this, the whole time I'm doing this, nobody's listening to finger. They're just making oohs and ahs and crying sounds, and <laughs> nobody is doing anything. Yeah. And in the process of this, well, there wasn't exception. Two people were videoing this thing,
6: mm-hmm. and I, mm-hmm. uh,
9: while I was doing this, my jacket came up, and I heard a woman say, "He's got a gun <laughs> and I, I couldn't believe this, and so if you do have a nuclear attack, you better learn something beforehand about it because people's ability to respond, I think we live in such an illusion uh through these iPhones and everything uh, technology that people don't know how to react to a real situation. They'll stand and watch or video it, you know?
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what I was going to say. I'm I'm surprised that you didn't have everybody standing there pulling out their cell phone so they could get it on their social media account. Uh, because that's typically what they do. (laughs) (laughs) That's typically what they do. And we've seen this over and over again. You know, you can have a situation where, Uh, you know, some child, small child is being attacked by a gang of teenagers and everybody just stands around videotaping it. You know, that's the most reprehensible Uh, thing. Yeah. I I, I, I was so
9: disgusted. I told my wife about this one when I done it. My wife's from Africa. So she, she has a realism about things, even though she's got an iPhone. I got rid of my iPhone, got a flip phone again, just for my sanity, because I have 55 nieces and nephews and they all think. Uncle Jack's the cats meow, and they <laughs> want to text me all the time. I don't want that, you know. Yeah, so, that's right.
3: Anyway, well, let's talk about it a little bit of those things because you do have chapters. Um, uh, you've got uh, Connor on surviving nuclear warfare with what you have, and of course, uh, these are other people who are contributors to this. Uh, in addition to your own uh, areas of expertise, or surviving biological infectious disease and chemical warfare. Uh, you have uh, Emanuelson on preparing for an EMP attack on solar solar. So you cover all of these types of things, and you have um, some some advice for things that people can do so they're not completely helpless and, and victims. There's some things that you can do to enhance your ability to survive some of these things. Uh, talk about um, any of those that uh, you'd like to give people some tips on. Give them an idea of what's in the book.
9: Well, number one, people have to understand, regardless of whether it's local, county, state, or federal government, uh, not that they are not going to help, but when they get there and what they come with, uh, and how they treat you are going to be uh, a number of things you have to take into consider. You're basically on your own. Yeah. So people have to look at, at, uh, things that are in this book and, I am far from the expert on everything. Mm -hmm. That's why I brought people in. Uh, Like uh, Shane Conner has been dealing with nuclear uh, issues since the 60s. He's probably one of the best experts in the country on it. He'll tell you how to survive. And uh, even though when I wrote this book uh, four years ago, I didn't look at the nuclear exchange possibility of a a full-blown nuclear war, or at least tactical weapons being used. When I say full-blown, I mean worldwide. When I say tactical weapons, it would be pointed weapons in specific areas. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I wrote this book, that wasn't an issue. But with this Ukrainian thing and the lunacy that is uh, driving uh, involvement with that, uh, I'm a history buff, so when I go back and look at uh Russia's history the Ukraine has always been part of that it it uh i think it generally was till uh the the uh, i believe it was uh, engineered by the west uh uh the civil uh revolution that took place there in 2014 and changed it over to people that were pretty much anti-russian even though a large large part of that country is Russian speaking and our our Russian people. But the the point being the war EMP electromagnetic pulse, which will shut everything down. Mm -hmm. People think this is some fantasy thing. I have one of the foremost experts in the book on this, uh, Jerry Emanuelson. He's been dealing with this all his life. It is a serious, serious issue and there is literally no protection for it in this country. Most countries, while we got rid of our civil defense, they went the other way. They have, the Russians just recently had an exercise of 40 million people that they can shelter. They had an exercise. They they made it uh, a simulation of a nuclear attack coming and getting these people into shelter to survive mm-hmm. in the areas they thought were going to get hit. We, when's the last time anybody's heard uh, you know, of a uh, preparedness uh, issue from, from FEMA. Yeah. You don't. That's right. Uh, people are on their own. So I have a number of different uh, uh, issues that I go and hear. Everybody thinks about the pandemic epidemic. Mm-hmm. Talk to my wife about that. And I live through cholera and, and typhus epidemics in, in Africa. I've seen what real real diseases that have a mortality rate that's dangerous. Not this COVID thing of <laughs> two percent.
6: These
9: so. things are forty to sixty uh, yeah. percent death rates from these without uh, immediate medical intervention. Yeah, so
3: that's true. I one of oh. the
9: things then that people need to look at.
3: Yeah, it's true. And and of course, like I said, you, you cover the big stuff like a nuclear exchange, which unfortunately is looking like that is what our government is hell bent on doing and uh, never doing any preparation. I mean, even when I, I was a young child, when the Cuban Missile Crisis happened the idea of preparation was to uh, have an extra set of clothes that you take and keep at the school. That was it. It's Like what, what is that for? Yeah. I mean, I was so close that I could, as a young child, easily walk home, but why would I have another set of clothes, uh, there at the uh, school and how in the world does that protect me? But, uh, you've got a lot of practical stuff that, you know, when we look at this, um, things like uh, dental care and alternative power, and uh, sanitation and many other things that we can see even as healthcare was shut down to us during the pandemic. People uh, right. were somewhat on their own. You know, you don't uh, uh, if you're concerned about what ha- what's happening and they would shut the hospitals down even though they had empty rooms. And we've seen this documented. We've had people writing books about it. And, uh, you know, they're just not, they're going to shut it down in case somebody comes in, but they're not going to let you get any healthcare, whether you're talking about dental care or any of these other types of things. So we've already had a taste did, of that. Yes. Uh, it, uh,
9: yeah, I don't, I, I really don't think we've seen the end of this.
3: No, uh, no. no, it's going to come back. We've thing. just had I, a, I a test. of one it. That's right. We've just had a test of yes. it and we've seen how they used it to shut down all the healthcare system. So, you know, if they, they make it a little bit worse, they extend it longer you're already on your own, whether or not you've had uh, a real pandemic or whether there's been a biological attack or a chemical attack or a nuclear attack, you're still going to be on your own when they uh, run this playbook again and they run it a little bit deeper. So all these things are very imminent, I would say. We've seen tastes of them, and I think they're coming back And uh, that's why I think it's so important for people to have this kind of knowledge. You know, it's important to know better places to go and better ways to build your house. And you've got uh, some of these things here in terms of building shelters and things like that, but it's also the other aspect of it in terms of medical emergency things, as well as you talk about in your first volume, organizing your neighborhood for defense. Talk a little bit about that.
9: That's, that's one of the critical factors. Uh, I've, set a number of these up. There's hundreds of them that have gone up in the country. I've had emails from people all over. Uh, the bottom line of the entire thing is we are on our own. Each one of us. Yes. With the exception of getting to know your neighbors and getting to organize with your neighbors. Uh, the street where I live, we have 40 some people. We have a radio network set up. The reason we have a radio network is to coordinate should the communication system go down, which Mm -hmm. if you have an EMP, it will go down Mm -hmm. and there will probably be no telephone. There'll probably be no cell phone, uh, most likely no internet service. So there's no way to really talk to each other. And of course you aren't going to get a couple of cans like they taught you in the Boy Scouts years ago (laughs) and a string and stretch it out. You know, it just doesn't work. Uh, so we have uh, a specific kind of radio, and we have radio check-ins every two weeks. And people like this. It's not only for a crisis of, of a magnitude that we're talking about. It's also a, a health situation we have for people that are invalid in our neighborhood. Uh, we have a list of people, what their afflictions are, and what we can do if something happens We check on those people. It's, it's basically what people used to be. They used to take care of each other in the neighborhood. I think in some boroughs in the areas in New York and that they do, but generally Americans have turned into a garage door community wherever they are. They go to work, they come home, pull their car in the garage, put the garage door down and they may not even know the neighbor two houses down. Well, we do, do it differently here. We've got a great group of people who have more damn fun than you can possibly believe. We get together in a fork, we have a barbecue, uh, we have meetings uh, in one or, or more of the members' garages, and we show how to do different things. We give little demonstrations. Mm-hmm. We're not doom and gloom. Yeah. We have a bunch of laughs. We've got, we have fun doing it. But the most important thing is if something really bad happens, We have the initial uh, factor in getting cohesiveness and organization, and that is we know each other. That's right. And we have our own plans to where we can protect our area and that type of thing, with our own separate communication system.
3: I remember uh, (laughs) we had in in Texas. We had a friend who was a retired Marine. uh, Got to know him through a homeschooling group. And he had done the same thing. Uh, He had uh, identified several neighbors who were of like mind, and uh, they were in communication via radio, and they would test it periodically. But they'd also talk about preparation. He was heavily into preparation as well. He'd even to the point where they were on a dead-end road, a cul-de-sac, and he had identified uh, which trees they were going to Uh, cut down to block the road in case there's civil unrest. (laughs) He had everything that he was thinking about there and they enjoy each other's company. They have a good time and they learn new skills and techniques from each other and they learn ways to prepare for each other. And they're there even for those who don't really see or understand the need for that. You know, they're still there for those people and that may be uh, something uh, that um, they'll be interested in, but you know, it really is about your neighborhood uh, about and, and and riots can happen at any time. You know they don't have to. Uh, as as we've seen through the lo- even as we had a lockdown, we had uh, riots in the summer of twenty twenty. So you can have all this stuff happening at the same time. And typically, it will happen at the same time, won't it?
9: I uh, made a friend with a, a guy who's a um, a blogger. I won't go into his name. He's Capital Eric. Uh, capitalist Eric is is dot com. Uh writes some of the best articles. Uh he's got degrees uh from about everybody in everything. Very intelligent guy. Uh he <laughs> he writes some extremely good financial articles and uh that's who he works for, a large financial company. He's an analyst. Mm-hmm. And what he writes and what he knows uh there's an avalanche of issues building up financially oh yeah there's just no two ways about it that's right uh financial issues obviously bring issues with supply and demand eventually and one of the things we talk about in our neighborhood group is wild edibles i don't care where you live i live in the desert there's enough food around here to support uh an a, a substantial number of people,
3: even in the course, desert,
9: most people, even in the desert. Yeah. It's, it's just incredible. I've eaten most, all of the stuff that, that we look into, but we have a particular type of tree here that uh, puts off a seed that, uh, is life sustaining. Uh, the Indians basically lived off of it, uh, you, you know, hundreds of years ago and they still eat this. Mm-hmm. So the point being this. uh, Financial issues, I think, are going to bring some disruption with the supply chain. Michael Yon, who is a former Special Forces guy, also, and uh, he's been embedded all over the world, he puts a blog out. And Michael Yon, that's somebody you should have on, uh, David. He's mm-hmm. an intelligent man. How do you spell his last Probably name? The wor-
3: How do you spell his last name? Y O N. Y O N, okay. Y O N. Michael
9: Yan. Yon, Y O N. He's been 40. 40- three years. He's been in virtually every conflict in the face of this planet. He has read 22 books on famine. Seven of those books were of countries that were abundant with food, just as we are and turned to literally turned to cannibalism overnight. Everything was disrupted. This can happen. Americans are not some special breed of people that are totally anointed by higher powers to be immune to this. Yeah. We are susceptible as everybody is. And the point being, Michael Yon is predicting famine in this country in the next two to five years. And I believe he's right. I've read virtually everything he's put out. Matt Bracken, Mm -hmm. Matt Bracken foreign enemies, foreign and domestic, former Navy seal officer. Uh, He's been around and seen, uh, his eyes have been open to what we do because he did a lot of it classified uh, Matt Bracken, one of the most intelligent visionary people i've I've ever met, Matt Bracken literally goes along with everything yawn says because Matt Bracken has analyzed this too famine coming to the country, so people need to store food, they need to store water mm-hmm. they ne- need to learn about wild edibles in their area and they they also need to get to know farmers and where you can get some chicken eggs and mm-hmm. on and on and on. Because this is something I've seen firsthand. When you see an 8-year-old boy that's skin and bones covered with flies and you try to give him some powdered milk and you end up, he dies right there. Uh, it, it doesn't leave you. You know, you can no. see what it is.
3: And you've got some excellent chapters that people can uh, see for free. One of them I remember is um, about water. And so if people go to um, civildefensemanual.com, there is a sample chapter there. They can get an idea of the depth that you go into and I think uh, really the wisdom that they find in this book. But when we're talking about having massive starvation, I was just talking earlier in the broadcast about Sri Lanka and how the government there uh, started shutting down farms and created massive... um, poverty and starvation in that country overnight. It doesn't have to be war from abroad. It can be your own country and our own country has talked about how they want to shut down things uh, on us, uh, you know, vital things Uh, like food. And we saw it being done in a a way that they can have plausible deniability. Well, we didn't know this was going to happen or, you know, we just uh, shut that thing down and look at all the secondary and tertiary effects that it had uh, propagating through, Uh, but they can do it themselves. Uh, and they can do it overnight and we've seen, I mean, anybody that, that we all know what happened during 2020 and all these, uh, you know, whiplashes through the supply chain, all the rest of this stuff, they pretend they didn't know what yeah. they were doing. Uh, but I think they did. And I that, think they've got some more plans for this stuff.
9: Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that this, uh, test run, mm-hmm. uh, this, this the, the, lunacy that is going on under the guise of climate change, uh, or climate change, uh, it's gone from. Uh, climate warming, climate cooling, and either one of those works or they just picked a neutral thing. Uh, that term is uh, climate change. Uh, it, I, I don't have any... There's no question in my mind that we affect the planet to a degree, but the degree we affect it to is minuscule yeah, compared right. to the cyclic changes that we've had. People don't realize we had an ice age back in 1452. Mm-hmm. The, the people starved. It wasn't just the Irish potato famine. It was, but we have these cycles that go on and we've moved into what's called a a maunder solar minimum. Mm -hmm. We started about 11 years ago and it's going to go on for, these things can last for five decades. This is the major effect it has Mm -hmm. at this time. We've got governments like Holland, uh, shutting farms down. This is lunacy. Uh, it leads me to believe that people that are pulling the strings that really have control want to have a lot less people on this planet. And, and I, I truly believe it. Let I me understand. just say one thing. Mm-hmm. Most people can survive. I don't, I have looked at the obesity when I was down in the big city. Uh, I was going to say most people can abide, uh, can survive on body fat and muscle alone for three weeks. Some people that I saw could, <laughs> Will last for five weeks. I'm sure uh,
3: I've, I've See, we're, we're prepping already. That. We don't even know it, you know, it's, uh... Uh,
9: it, it's gotten, so, it's gotten so pathetic that, uh, uh, people are just feeding their face all the time. They have no concept of health and, uh, they apparently don't care, but people can survive for three weeks without food. Okay. You can survive maybe three days without water. I've gone two days in Africa and we were in a forced march of 40 miles. And I I thought, I mean, I was going out of my head. We finally got water, but nobody had water. We had 150 guys moving through the bush and there was nothing around there. No streams, no lakes, nothing. People in a normal situation can last probably three days and your mind starts shutting down, and you're incapable of doing anything. Uh, Water is something everybody takes for granted, and yet nobody stores it.
3: Yeah, that's right. And and as I said, you've got a great chapter that people can see for free. And let me just tell people, give them an idea. These are just some of the chapters. In Volume 1, you've got um, uh, 17 chapters and a lot of indexes here, but I'll just give people about five or six of these. Uh, The reality of a catastrophic uh, event, uh, leadership steps, building a neighborhood protection plan – Uh, Leadership and psychopaths, there must be a leader, Uh, the core of your security guard duty, individual and cooperative tools, supplies, equipment that you'll need, water, there's a whole chapter by itself, food, cooking, and storage, firearm basics and safety and surviving a gun battle, and on and on. And then when you get to the second volume, uh, it's about uh, health issues, hygiene, sanitation, caring for the dead, fire and fire protection, dental care, alternative power. I mean, you cover the gamut of stuff that is there. And um and that's yeah. the key thing, you know, you've had a lot of experience, farmer, soldier, uh with a lot of experience and you brought in other people who have areas of specialty and um and and I like the fact <laughs> that it's not online, that it's not on your computer. It's in a book. So that if everything goes down, if they take the grid down, they take the internet down, if there's an EMP and your computer is fried, uh you still got that reference manual there and uh you can yeah, still the only way.
9: I don't refuse to put it out. I've had people, oh, when are you going to put it out? Email. You know, you're in many circumstances happen. You're not going to be able to access anything on your computer. Yep. Your own computer may be totally trashed by an EMP. The point being, we put, I I spent a lot of money putting this thing into a 14 point, uh, font. So you can read it by candlelight.
3: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And you've got about 500 pages in each one of these volumes. Uh, It's, uh, Tremendous amount of information on on a wide variety of things, but you also go pretty deep, and I think people can see that if they uh, look at some of the uh, sample chapters that you got there. It's important for people to have the knowledge, to be preparing for some of this, to learn some of the skills, and there are some great things there just for the kinds of supply chain disruptions and the kind of disruption of medical care that we've already experienced. Uh, You know, when you wrote this, that was something that nobody had seen, but we've already seen that type of thing, and the rest of these things, unfortunately, may be coming at us in the near future.
9: David, I'll just say this. I beg people to start storing food and water. We are, people in this country are the strength of the country. Yes. Don't expect the federal government to help you, don't expect your local county, city, or the state, generally speaking, even though these people that are in these organizations for emergency management have good intentions, they generally, uh, it, when the real critique of their effectiveness comes when there is a crisis, and you can go through any crisis that's happening in virtually in the country, they're, they're incapable of responding. That's right. Many of these organizations are hog-tied by their own regulations. I'll never forget the, uh, one of our standing presidents after Katrina ordered 12,000 trailers from Arkansas that were sitting government owned brand new mobile homes to New Orleans. And he ordered them and they re- they didn't move. And he ordered them again and he got really angry about this because <laughs> he was on TV saying something. And two years later, they moved the trailers they moved them <laughs> off the place they were stored so they could spend eight million dollars to gravel and then they put them right back where they were <laughs> so that shows you just about how much you know you, you just you you're on your own
6: yeah
9: i'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing that people must do, even though you get together with your neighbors. be careful of what you disclose as far as what you've got you're just going to have to. Take for granted that your neighbor's got enough food and leave it at that. Mm-hmm. This is a cooperative effort. This is not a communal where you dump everything in a pile and everybody gets, everybody's got to pro- provide for themselves. Uh, and you have to keep some type of a, a confidentiality on this. I'll give you an example What <laughs> what happened. My wife went back to uh, Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe, after the communists had totally destroyed everything by stripping the country of every asset they could take uh so they could uh the leader communist leadership could have Bentley's gold plated in London and shipped down there. That was just for the kids.
3: <laughs> yeah. You know and these communists yeah. Sorry. Yeah
9: well the communist leadership had their own, uh, you know, Neiman Market stores to go to that were in their own area where the roads were actually taken care of. But uh, generally, and all the facilities, utilities, everything worked. But the point being, there were a lot of people who were starving. So my wife and her mother, she was, my wife was getting my mother out of there and uh, eventually got her to the United States. But the point being this, one day, the uh, and, and the communists were feeding the army and the police. So, so their security forces were, were fed, but the average girl in the street was starving to death. And so my wife, uh, they live in a walled-in area, and one day the gate guard comes up. Madame, there's a little girl that wants to talk to you. So my wife goes to the gate, and the gate guard opens the gate, and there's this girl that is skin and bones in a filthy dress. And my wife, uh, it, it, she asked my wife if she had, she could give it, spare anything to eat. My wife immediately had tears in her eyes. She runs into the house. She makes her big sandwich. She takes it to the gate, gives it to the little girl, gives her a bottle of water, and the, um, her mother comes home. <laughs> and uh, her mother, <clears throat> even though it's her daughter, raises, holy hell, what did you do that for? What are you? And my wife was crying, and she said, well, "Well, I'll give up one of my meals for her. And... <laughs> Her mother said, "That's not the point," and the point was very well made. About two hours later, there were two hundred people standing at that gate. Mm-hmm. All, all of them, skin and bones, not enough energy to tear the gates off the hinges. Which, if they were uh, not in this condition, they would have gone in and taken uh, the guards and, and my mother and in law and father and my wife's uh, uh, food. Mm-hmm. And that was the point. If you feed, you cannot feed everybody. You have to remind yourself of that. As heartbreaking as that might be, the people that do not prepare are going to be asking for food. Right. And unfortunately, this gets into some hard psychology that I get into the, in the book. And I specifically go into the area of psychopaths or what's sugar-coated, known in a psychiatric and, and psychological world as sociopaths. They're the most dangerous of the human race. Mm-hmm. So th- there's issues that are in this book that people can only read to understand what you have to do A to Z to survive.
3: That's why I, I like this book so much. You, you have so much experience uh, with things like that, uh, places that you've been, uh, and expertise in that. And as uh, you know, you, you look at this. That's essentially the way the government sees everything. And one of the reasons why you can't rely on the government, as we saw with the L.A. riots, uh, you know, uh, back in the, the '90s after the Rodney King thing, uh, they all circled the wagons and took care of themselves. You know, you had Daryl Gates, who was the first one to have any SWAT teams, who have the first one to have any militarized police. And what did they do? They circled the wagons and they protected uh, the police stations and city hall, and everybody else was on their own. And we've seen this over and over again, as we've seen cities that break down into riots. Uh, and so, part of that is that they, you know, they they're not going to be out there to protect you. They realize that uh, they're uh, perhaps uh, don't have enough uh, to do that. But that's not even going to be their focus. Their focus is going to be on protecting themselves. And so, um, it, it is, yeah, it is important to understand that. We've seen that time and again. Uh, and, um, and we also know (laughs) these, uh, these socialists and these Marxists, I guess we could call them Neiman Marxist because, uh, over and over again, again, they go get the luxury goods and they let everybody else starve. And we've seen that in one country after the other, you know, Zimbabwe is just one of them. Uh, it was great talking to you, Jack, and it is an excellent book. I would highly recommend this to anybody. I always do. It's always great talking to you. We'll get you back on without taking so long. Uh, in between yeah, calls people,
9: again. i just like to say this: people can go to www.civildefensemanual.com. There's a lot of free uh, information on there. Yes. I didn't just write this to make money. I write this because I'm concerned that people don't do something. Uh, this country is going to be in terrible, terrible straits.
3: So. Yes. And and again, and, you, know, you uh, can see I that want, with the the most important thing, which is the, as you point out, you can't do without water. That's the number one thing. You've got that chapter right. there for free, and people can get a, a yep. taste of how detailed and uh, the information is, and how wise it is. Really, uh, there's a lot of yep. uh, we've talked about this in the past, uh, and we'll talk about in the future uh, about um, you know how the cowboys had eggs uh, when they would go on the trail, and the way that you can preserve eggs, and many other things like that. That uh, a lot of us right. have gotten so distant from an agricultural society that we don't know anything about food other than the supermarket, which I will find it there. And it's not going to be there when things hit the fan. So it's very important that you start to think about these things. We've already seen a lot of these things given a trial run. We've experienced a taste of them. And I think they're going to be coming back in a big way for all of us. So again, uh, civildefensemanual.com is where you can get some of the samples there and where you can order it. And you've actually got a thing there where people can say where they They um, heard about it. Uh, We don't have a formal arrangement or anything like that. I just recommend this book. But, you know, let uh, Jack know that you heard it here at uh, this broadcast if you go there. So thank you, Jack. It's great having you on.
9: Thank you, David. It's always a pleasure.
3: Thank you. We're going to take a quick break, folks, and we will be right back. Stay with us.
2: Deceit. Telling the truth is a revolutionary act. You're listening to The David Knight Show. Let's talk a little bit about the uh,
3: pharmaceutical uh, issue. The vaccines are still with us, unfortunately, and uh, still with people in their bloodstream as well. And we have a bombshell vaccine analysis. You'll find this on Zero Hedge. A uh, couple of uh, people running an analysis. This is uh, from a research firm. Called Finance Technology. I talked about some earlier research they had. Last week they've gone deeper and broader with this research. This is an organization, Finance Technology, again, finances with a Ph. I wonder if it's about uh, pharmaceutical stuff. <laughs> they call it that way. Um uh, founded and operated by former BlackRock portfolio manager at Dowd. Also Yuri Nunes, who has a PhD in physics, a master's in of science and math. And Carlos Alegria, who has a PhD in physics and in finance, they split the impact of the vaccines into four broad categories to estimate the human cost and the financial cost. In the human cost area, they break it into the four categories they have are no effect, if you took the vaccine, or asymptomatic. Uh, Then those who sustained injuries that were mild to moderate an outcome. Those who became disabled with a severe outcome and then those who died. And they took this information directly from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The bottom line is, this report estimates that 26.6 million people were injured. 1.36 million people disabled. 300,000 excess deaths attributed to the Trump shots. In 2022 alone. And the economic cost that they put that at? Is $150 billion, but of course it is a human cost. And this is only in the United States. Let me repeat that. Only in the United States. 26.6 million people injured, 1.36 million disabled, 300,000 excess deaths. And um, we've already seen this from the insurance companies reporting this. We've seen it from funeral home companies reporting this. We've seen this data from any number of angles, and it continues to reinforce just how catastrophic these Trump shots have been. They say, uh, we need to remember that not only are these groupings an attempt to characterize different levels of damage from the inoculations, they are not static, and they could interact with each other. For example, uh, there might be individuals who have had no visible effects after vaccination, but nevertheless, they could still be impacted. This is one of the most astounding things to me from the very beginning of this. We saw the VAERS reports just skyrocketing. And of course, that's just the teeny tiny tip of the iceberg as the CDC had hired Harvard uh, a decade ago to go through and say, how many people are reporting the VAERS stuff? At the time, it was only, um, I can't remember, was it 1%, 10%, it was a tiny minority. and um, And of course, they were not being actively discouraged from criticizing these vaccines, which, All of government, all of media, all of the medical system were intent on pushing that as the must have only single only solution for all this stuff. And so to see that stuff shooting up immediately and say, wait a minute, this is more deaths than we've had reported in five years combined, or now it's 10 years combined, now it's 20, on and on. Now it's many times more than all of the vaccines for 30 years combined. And that's with them actively discouraging people. Uh, blowing the whistle on this kill shot that was created, produced by Trump. He was a producer. Fauci was the director. Trump financed it. That's what producers do. Uh, anyway, these are not static. They interact with each other. There might be individuals who had no visible effect after vaccination but could still be impacted because typically you would see the injuries from the vaccines. Is one of the reasons that they were able to get away with it, uh, besides the legal immunity that Fauci had given them. One of the reasons was because of the temporal displacement of these harms. You know, you don't start seeing this for another year. And I said that as well from the very beginning. I said, previously you had in Norway, when they rushed out the uh, swine flu uh, H1N1 back in 2009, Fauci and Slaoui, who was uh, Trump's head of operations there, you know, from Moderna, uh, they created a vaccine, they rushed it out, and it took a year for it to show up And children who have a higher metabolism rate and you had a lot of children who started getting narcolepsy, catalepsy where you just freeze, narcolepsy where they would fall asleep and now these kids in their mid-20s or later are committing suicide because it has destroyed their life. They can't drive a car, they can't do it because they're falling asleep just instantaneously, they can't control it and um, it took a while for them to notice it but at least they were honest enough to do something about it when they saw it. It took a year for these symptoms to occur in children. And yet we now have individuals with mild injuries injuries from the inoculations could, over time, develop severe injuries to the extent of being disabled or dying. And so to sum it up, the estimated human cost, 26.6 million injuries, 1.36 million disabilities, 300,000 excess deaths. To put a dollar figure on this, the economic costs – They say $147.8 billion. Injuries, $89.9 billion. Disabilities, $52.2 billion. Excess deaths, $5.6 billion. And of course, that's not even counting the economic disruption and chaos of all the businesses that were put out of business and uh, all the whiplashing supply chain issues that we have. Or the massive debt of trillions of dollars. I saw Thomas Massey talking about the fact he said, yeah, it was a year ago now that I opposed this uh, PPP and all the stimulus stuff and the $3.7 trillion putting out there. And he said, my reward was for Donald Trump to say that the Republicans have to get me out of office. That was his reward. The only one to oppose it, Thomas Massey. And of course, uh, Donald Trump. Well, I ask people, you know, I guess we should ask people who support Donald Trump: Would you vote for Fauci if he ran for president? No. <laughs> then why would you support Trump?
7: I pushed them like they've never been pushed before, and that's why we have it.
3: Greatest achievements was getting the vaccine
7: done in nine months instead of five and a half to twelve years, but. The problem is, you know, we saved tens of millions of lives no, all over don't. the world, but no, I can't don't. talk about it because our base, our beautiful base of which some of you are there, you get angry when we mention the word vaccine. Don't get angry.
5: You did everything you could to get this vaccine. Now, I know It was we're using one, it one of the,
7: the vaccine. greatest achievements. We did it in less than nine months. And to be able and to do that. But, yeah, but, we're, it's but, but now many it's many taken a twist, right? And then people don't want it. And it probably even affects the others because, you know, there's a big situation with a lot of people don't want to take the vaccine. Well, this played right into their hands. And they want me to do public service messages and everything about everybody taking the vaccine. And look, I guess in a certain way, I'm the father of the vaccine because I was the one that pushed it. You know, to get it done in less than nine months was a miracle. Fauci said it would take three to five years. He thought it was something that just wouldn't be that effective because it would take so long to get. We, I pushed the FDA like they have never been pushed before. I wouldn't exactly say they're, uh, they're in love with me. They have never, this is a very bureaucratic organization. I push them like they've never been pushed before and that's why we have it. The vaccine is one of the greatest achievements of mankind. We would have had a 1917, remember the Spanish flu, killed perhaps a hundred million people. Can you imagine if you had to go through what all of the countries of the world who are now getting the vaccine or soon will be getting it from various companies. But can you imagine if all of those countries had to go through what they've been going through over the last year, you'd lose hundreds of millions of people. Let the teachers get the vaccine. They should get the vaccine. I hope they do again. It's something I'm very proud of. I think if we didn't come up during the Trump administration with a vaccine, you could have a hundred.
3: Yeah, let's just make up some numbers. Well, I think everybody would have died if I hadn't killed him. You know, killed him first. Some of the places where he's being cheered, of course, was CPAC 2021. That's the beginning of 2021. Oh, yeah, I did it. I did the vaccine. I'm proud of it. I'm the father of the vaccine. Estimating the economic costs, they said, and analyzing each of these above categories, finance used absolute excess lost work time to determine the direct economic cost of vaccine injuries, and $79.5 billion in 2022, $52.2 billion for those with severe disabilities. For death, they used the average yearly absolute rise in excess deaths since 2021 which was 0.05% for the 25 to 64-year-old demographic, which amounts to $5.6 billion in lost productivity. In total, they found a total economic cost of $148 billion. Now, they're not even looking at what Trump did that he's so proud of, the lockdown. Now, that's 100% him, the lockdown. You know, the vaccine injuries, you could say, uh, well, you know, Biden pushed those vaccines on everybody. But you know, it was Trump who was still championing it. While um Biden was doing it these figures are just what can be currently measured the knock on effects such as lost productivity due to worker being present but not working let's say maybe 50% 75% of capacity that is missed plus the burnout from those who are picking up the slack the multiplier effects are massive they said just looking at the economic aspects of it again because they're coming at it from an economic standpoint as well as a standpoint of death And I've had, you know, I've seen people writing this. This is the the excuse. I've had it repeated to me uh, by a relative saying, well, you know, people, uh, they just don't want to go to work anymore. They're just spoiled. You know, they got a chance to stay home and all the rest of the stuff. There's a lot of people missing. A lot of people missing. And as they finish the article, they say, now, imagine the impact worldwide. This was just for the United States, the millions of people that Trump harmed. The hundreds of thousands, at least, that he killed. It's just beyond me that anyone could support this guy. And yet you see these people like Alex flip-flopping back and forth. He loves me. He loves Trump. He loves him not. He loves Trump. The daisy effect, right? Absolutely doesn't care what he did to us. I've talked about this as the shot that was sent around the world. You know, we have frequently talked about Concord and Lexington as the American Revolution kicked off. It was a shot that went around the world. A lot of people realize, you know, we don't have to uh, be subjected to these tyrants. Uh, Maybe we should have the American model that uh, government is there to protect our God-given rights. Maybe we could do that in our country as well. So it was a shot that was heard around the world. Well, Trump did the antithesis of that. He sent a depopulation shot around the world. He transferred massive amounts of money to these pharmaceutical companies. As a matter of fact, we're talking about how much damage, billions, tens of billions of dollars, uh, hundreds of billions of dollars that were done with this. That was what it was, just under $150 billion uh, calculated costs that they had. But, of course, we made billionaires. Nine new pharmaceutical executives became billionaires out of all this. And now you've got the U.S. government getting back $400 million from Moderna. Again, Moderna was there at the very beginning. Moderna, uh, you know, uh, Slaoui, who was there on the board of directors when he had been with uh, the other vaccine companies, he had partnered with Fauci. And they partnered together in order to create this mRNA vaccine. This was a government creation. It was there years before the manufactured issue. And as evidence of this now, the government has said, well, we want to have uh, $400 million paid from Moderna back to the National Institute of Health, Fauci's organization, because we helped you. You licensed the spike protein technology from us. They have a contract for that. So we know now that, uh, you know, the NIH wants its cut. Pretty small cut, as a matter of fact. You know, one of the best investments you can ever make is to buy a bureaucracy or a bureaucrat. Or politician the return on investment is unbelievable so these people who you got nine new billionaires you got these companies that made tens of billions of dollars they had the uh, you know the manufacturing facilities were paid for by the government the government created the technology and licensed it to them and I've always said this is one of the reasons why they did it with Pfizer Moderna had never manufactured a product whatsoever they'd been in existence for 10 years they'd never had a product this product was licensed to them by the government. The government gave them money for manufacturing and all the rest of the stuff, but Pfizer was big. Pfizer could jump in here and do it right away. So they also gave the information to Pfizer. That's how Pfizer leapfrogged Moderna. And so this whole thing was a military operation against us, run by Donald Trump from the very beginning. Big Pharma getting tens of billions, they give a little bit of a kickback, 400 million, 0.4 billion to um, the NIH. The newly disclosed contract says that Moderna would pay NIH a non-creditable, non-refundable royalty in the amount of $400 million. They developed the tech. They delivered the tech. They propagated the tech. They they came up with propaganda, lies to sell the tech. All of this. You know, when we look at the massive health, health effects of just some of these things, this is a story from futurism.com talking about how tiny amounts of plastic can cause horrifying problems in chicken embryos. And they're trying to use this to say, well, you know, we got these, not just microplastics, but we got nanoplastics. And you had this team that was able to see how some very, very teeny tiny nano sized particle of plastic, some of these could attach themselves to chicken embryos and keep them from developing properly. What do you think happens with uh, things like the nanotech that they have created? What do you think happens with something like PEG, polyethylene glycol, that encapsulates the nanotech that they put in there? Why do you think it accumulates in the ovaries more than anywhere other than the spleen? Orders of magnitude more accumulation in the ovaries. That's what this is about. This, but, but by all means, you know, let's cheer Donald Trump because that'll put money in my pocket. Yeah, right. That's it for today's broadcast. Uh, thank you for listening. And again, go to civildefensemanual.com. I think you'll find something that's really going to help you.
8: Let me tell you, the David Night Show you can listen to with your ears you can even watch it by using your eyes in fact if you can hear me that means you're listening to the david knight show right now yeah good job (laughs) and you want to know something else you can find All the links to everywhere to watch or listen to the show at thedavidknightshow.com. That's a website.